Good to have you here on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop here with you. Hopefully BJ will be back with us a little bit later here in the week. But uh, Ben, so much to get to here on the show. D. Orlando Ledbetter, AJC.com will join us. Falcons wrap up the regular season coming up on Sunday against the Saints. Uh, year number one of Arthur Smith uh, will then be in the books. We can uh, talk to D. Orlando about how do you evaluate this Falcons team. Now, take three question. Do you think this team is better, even though the roster may not be any better? Are they actually better? We asked that uh, yesterday. We'll see what D. Orlando uh, thinks coming up in just a little bit. Also, Drew D. Arman, Tighter Insider, uh, and 97.7 ESPN Radio Huntsville will join us coming up in uh, the second hour. We'll certainly look at uh, Georgia Bama from the Bama perspective. And then in the final hour, Connor Riley, Dog Nation, uh, will join us. We'll hear from him, and we'll get the Georgia side of things here now. Inside a week to go, Ben Troop, until next Monday night when we have the national championship game. And uh, you and I were talking off the air about the just the – you, you couldn't have two differing quarter, uh, stories there at the quarterback spot. Bryce Young, big-time recruit, wins the Heisman Trophy, uh, playing uh, for Bama, Stetson Bennett. Uh, had opportunities to go play football other places, chose to walk on at Georgia, transferred out to a JUCO, comes back, uh, down on the depth chart, and kind of Kirby Smart saying, hey, not making any promises. COVID happens. Uh, quarterbacks go down. Stetson needs to step up last year, get some playing time. This year, JT Daniels dealing with some injuries. Stetson comes in and has the team in the national championship. I mean, you really couldn't draw two different stories at the quarterback spot than what we're going to see square off yet again uh, on Monday night there between uh, you know Bryce Young and Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett, uh, regardless of what happens, Kevin, something that, you know something we talked about before the show going to go down in history is one of the greatest stories in college football history. You you talk about a guy that. Never, ever going to be, you know, not a, not a big guy, but you go back to Georgia high school football, set all kinds of records. Obviously, obviously wanting to be a Georgia Bulldog was, was on campus as a walk-on and left because he wanted to play. Then you got to look at how Stetson Bennett ended up coming back. You talk about Jamie Newman, right? Jamie Newman was supposed to be the guy at Georgia. Right. Went through a full, you know, offseason, went through a full summer, then decided not to, not to play. Then you talk about, um, you talk about a guy like JT Daniels, you know, another five-star. And I couldn't stay healthy. Stetson Bennett gets called. And the 2021 is just a continuation of what happened in 2020. Stetson Bennett played a lot of football in all SEC schedule, by the way, uh, in 2020. So, and then you talk about a Bryce Young, uh, you know, Kevin, who you talk about that quarterback room. I mean, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Mac Jones, Bryce. And Bryce was trying to do something that nobody had ever done, you know, at, at uh, Alabama, you know, winning, you know, winning, uh, winning the Heisman for, at quarterback for Alabama. But, I still think it comes back to Stetson Bennett because, like you said, Kevin, it's hard to compare anything to him. Yes, we're going to talk about Baker Mayfield winning, being the first walk-on to win the Heisman, being the number one overall pick. Baker Mayfield didn't make it to the national championship. Stetson Bennett was on the number one team all year. Well, Baker Mayfield coming into his Heisman Trophy season was also he knew he was going to be the starting and, quarterback. And, and, and we Stetson talk, and, did not. And we're talking about a guy that was a, a Big 12 like you know, uh, player of the year, first-team All-American, all the accolades. But the thing about Stetson Bennett is, Stetson is a gamer. Stetson is one of those guys that said, look, the mailman was given to me maybe in high school and then carried over into college. Where would the University of Georgia be without Stetson Bennett? And I'm not just talking about 2021. I'm talking about 2020. When people – you got Carson Beck, right? Five-star. Won't even let him play. JT Daniels, who can't stay healthy. I don't get the angst with us, Stetson Bennett. I, I really don't understand it. <clears throat> because what happens is people will say – can you win a national championship with Stetson Bennett? You'll get to see on Monday night. Because 
If 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 Stetson Bennett does win it, everything that everybody was saying, and I'm ta- and I'm talking about the skeptics. I'm talking about the Georgia faithful that won't that has this fascination with JG Daniels that I really really just don't understand. JG Daniels his first time playing his debut, Kevin against Mississippi State. I was like, whoa! If he gonna play like this, it's over. But then reality set in. JT Daniels got beat out at USC, had an injury coming into Georgia, has been injury prone since he's been at Georgia, got to be the one to represent Georgia at SEC Media Days. And who's been there the whole time? Stetson. So I just think that for, for me, Kevin, when you look at this game as a whole, storylines galore. If Stetson Bennett can do the unthinkable, exercise a lot of demons over four decades, and you're talking about a kid from Blackshear, Georgia, who was a walk-on, left, came back. This is going to be a story. I mean, I, I, and, and I said this before, and I'm, I'm going to keep on saying this. The two biggest decisions that, that – uh, well, the two, the two best decisions I think that uh, Kevin Smart has ever made, one as a true freshman – Did you say which, Kevin which, Smart? Uh, I'm sorry. Did I say, I'm sorry. Kirby if you Smart, did, I'm I mean, sorry. I was like, hey. That's hey Kirby Smart ever made was, <laughs> you got Jake Fromm, right, who stepped in yeah. because Jacob Eason got hurt, so he stepped in after like one series, took him to the national championship, and called Stetson Bennett back. Because the thing about Stetson is, that's different than the JT Daniels. Stetson Bennett grew, grew up wanting to be a Georgia Bulldog, just like, just like Jake Fromm. And when people say that doesn't matter, no, that does matter. JT Daniels became a Georgia Bulldog because, you know, he was in the transfer portal. Kirby Smart called his phone. The boy got off the plane. He walked in and said, welcome to Atlanta. That's how much he knows about Athens, Georgia. He don't know. So I, I just think when you think about Kevin and everything that could have gone wrong, how many teams get to say they was number one all season long? Stetson Bennett was on the number one team all year long. Lost to Alabama, which most teams are, not named, not named, not named Texas and m We'll see what happens come Monday night, but I do think, Kevin, we ain't giving Stetson Bennett his just If Stetson Bennett was 6'4", and he had any stars next to his name, and he was on scholarship from the jump, we'll be saying something different, but it's almost like we don't let the narratives shape themselves. I know we, I know we, I know we put him out there, but Stetson Bennett has wrote his own story. He's grown up in the last two years. He hasn't been able to get over that hump at Alabama, but name a Georgia quarterback that has. I will wait. It's not like Stetson yeah. Bennett is doing something that every other quarterback at Georgia – or most teams in the SEC since Nick Saban has been there haven't done. But people thinking that to beat Alabama, you either had to be a, a, a Deshaun Watson, a, a, a Trevor Lawrence, a, a Joe Burrow. If a walk-on named Stetson Bennett beats Alabama, I don't, Kevin, I don't know who's the number one story ever when you talk about the quarterback position, but Stetson Bennett, he's definitely got to be in the top five if he can pull this off yeah, on Monday. and again, because you said you're talking about winning a national championship, and everything you say about Stetson is correct. You know, I, I go back hearing – from time in, in high school and hearing the re, the recruiting stories and, you know, uh, coaches saying, look, throw a really good ball, uh, a really, really good ball. I shouldn't uh, shouldn't uh, sell him short of that. And basically from, from the side stories that you hear, it's like coaches love Stetson Bennett coming out of high school. The knock was, man, if you were three inches taller, you'd be a five-star. Well, I mean, what is that? That three inches taller has nothing to do with his football. Ability, exactly. Right? I mean, that that, that may you, – you may say, well, it, 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 can't see over the line as well. Okay, but it has nothing to do with his football acumen and ability. Uh, there are guys that are 6'4 that can't throw the ball uh, 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 nicely. You know, they're, they're there because they're 6'4. And I've, I've had football coaches say this, Ben. Uh, look, I, I've had football high school coaches tell me this. And Ben and I are obviously two different shapes and sizes. But I've had a lot of coaches say, look, man, Kevin, you could be the best football player in the world, one of the best ever. 
but Ben is 6'5", and they're going to take him every single time. And I'm like, you know, it's it's, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah. uh, you know, it's not necessarily your ability. And yes. I will say this, uh, Ben, uh, guys that, are, that, are, that, that have ability and are good players, they, they step up when it's their time. Right when it, when it's your time when your number is called they step up and and they play and I, I think Stetson has done that when it's been his number he stepped up and answered the bell uh, for Georgia and as you said okay did he have his career best game against Alabama no who does who does did, was he the reason Georgia lost to Alabama well I mean if you want to say some but okay. But I think anybody that was wearing what well, I don't even remember what were they wearing white jerseys in the SEC? anybody wearing white jerseys in the SEC championship game can shoulder some responsibility for that loss. I mean, you had a guy that people were hyping up for the Heisman, Jordan Davis, on tape in a championship game, standing straight up, out of gas. I, is, is that responsibility? Yes. Uh, so I think there's there's responsibility all the way around when it goes to that SEC championship game. It was not placed on one person. Did he have his world's best game? Uh, no. Was he the sole reason you lost out? No. Now, if everybody comes together and plays well Monday night, Georgia and all the Georgia faithful could be uh, hoisting up a national championship trophy saying, finally, 1980 is behind us. But I, 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 look at the, I just look at these two quarterbacks, and one is a guy who has been waiting on his turn. Right? Bryce Young was just waiting. Mm-hmm. He gets to Bama. It's like, hey, man, you know, Mac Jones is here. Before that, Mac waited his turn. It's just part of being the deal at Alabama. We believe in you, but you're going to have to wait. Wait his turn. The other side is, as you said, maybe one of the more interesting stories we've seen in college football in terms of how you get to the national championship game. So to me, it's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch it play out and how those two young men play it out in the national championship game. A guy that was certainly... All the hype and the talent, Bryce Young. I'm not saying I shouldn't say hype like it's a bad thing. He won the he won the national he won the uh, the Heisman Trophy. So a guy that certainly had all the accolades versus a guy that really had to make some decisions about where he wanted to be with his football career. And he chose the University of Georgia despite having some other. He chose to be there, and and it worked out. And as they the story and perseverance, it's uh, really really going to be interesting to watch how that plays out. And, and again. I hope for the sake of the game and just people watching football that both Stetson and Bryce Young have great games because that's that's what you should want to see. There's great defenses, but if those two guys ball out against those two defenses, man, you're going to be seeing some football out there. I mean, it's going to be a tremendous football game. So I hope for, for, for their state we see a well-played game by both quarterbacks. I think those defenses will have something to say about it, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. But, man... I'm just fascinated by the just absolute opposite ends of uh, of the spectrum of Stetson Bennett mm-hmm. and Bryce Young because they can't be any more different in the way they got their football teams to this stage coming up on Monday. There's 0% chance that Bryce Young comes to Alabama. If Alabama is not the brand that it is, there's 0% chance that Bryce Young leaves the state of California. He did not grow up an Alabama fan. Alabama had just, you know – let me say that Alabama is not a Johnny come lately, by the way. They've been sure. good for a long time, but their brand equity is about as good as it gets. I mean, not just I mean, where's JG Daniels from? California. Where's D where's DJU from? All California. They're all from the same area uh, in Southern California. So uh Stetson Bennett grew up a Georgia fan. He wanted to be a Georgia Bulldog. So much so that he was one of the best quarterbacks in the state of Georgia and walked on. But like every, like every football player that's ever strapped on in the cleats, that ever put on the shoulder pads and the helmet and the mouthpiece, he wants to play. So 
he walked away from his dream. The head coach called him. Now they're sitting. They're sitting now. You know, uh, two years since coming back on campus, Kevin. He's in the national championship, playing this team in Alabama. Bryce Young is chasing a different legacy than uh, than uh, Stetson Bennett is. They're both chasing legacy, by the way. But I think everybody kept saying this is always every. This is this is gonna be the team. This could be the team. Stetson Bennett, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, he can find a way to get. And and, and let me and listen. If they lose on Sunday, Saturday or Monday, it won't be because of Stetson. Just like they didn't lose because of Stetson. Stetson had nothing to do. Well, Stetson gave up one touchdown. Okay, what about the other thirty something points? Uh that, that, that the Alabama offense scores. So I do think that Stetson Bennett, to me, is more of a true depiction of college football. We get, we, we think that all these five – there ain't a lot of five stars in college football, by the way, people. For people. Oh, yeah, no, no. This ain't Oprah. They ain't just giving out five stars to whoever want one. But, Kevin, when you think about guys that get better over time, Bryce Young, he, he got to develop watching, being, in that, being in that freaking out quarterback room. Stetson Bennett was like, dude, I just want to play. He went out there. And they was looking for every reason to demote him. I didn't do anything to get demoted. I'm just not 6'4". What? I'm just not 6'4", 6'5". I got a big arm. I throw a pretty ball. Just go back to the college football playoff game. Ask Michigan, can do we got a pretty ball? Matter of fact, ask everybody in the regular season not named, you know, you know, not named Alabama in the SEC championship game, do we got a pretty ball. So I think that for me, everybody looks at, oh, these big-time players panning out. No, man, the guys, that, the Stetson Bennett's of the world do way more for college football than Bryce Young does because you got a bunch of guys that just want a shot. Give me a shot and see what I do with it. But most of them would not want, would not be able to do it for a brand like Georgia with the scrutiny that you have to deal with being the starting quarterback for Georgia. Right now, Stetson Bennett is the most famous person in the state of Georgia. That's bigger than Kyle Pitts, Trey Young. I mean, uh, you know, Matty Ice, that's taking nothing away from those guys. But if he can find a way to win that natty, Kevin, what does it do? Because like I say, people know Buck Blue for one thing. When, well, two things. One, handing the ball off to Hershey, and two, being the quarterback that did it. That, that, that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Buck will tell you, hey, man, I was, a, I was very, very fortunate. Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett can win, and, and it's who, like I say, it's not how many fights you had, it's who you fought. If he can beat the man, Stetson Bennett will officially be the man Come Monday night, I know we got. I know the, the game still got the still. You know we still got the game coming up. But Kevin, I don't think we doing Stetson been enough justice for what he's doing, not just for Georgia, but for college football. I think as a whole, we've got so much to get to here on three and out. Inside a week to go till the national championship game, uh, we will hear from D Orlando Ledbetter, AJC. We'll talk some Falcons as the NFL season comes to an end, and we'll talk Falcons next as we get to week seventeen. Where do you go uh, in correcting this football? This is a team that's right. If they win on Sunday, could be eight and nine and have no true running back, have not had their best wide receiver for over half the season, and so many questions about whether or not they know what sacking the quarterback even looks like. We'll get to that when we come back. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Week 17 here in the National Football League. Falcons and the Saints. Falcons got bumped down to the uh, the, the – the good afternoon spot there at four o'clock uh, this week against the uh, against the Saints, Ben. But effectively in the first year of the Arthur Smith tenure there in Atlanta, so could be eight nine with a win, could knock the Saints out of the playoffs. But when you're trying to continue to move this franchise forward, where do you start? Now that we're at the end of the year, we know the Falcons aren't going to make the playoffs. Where do you start with this football team? Ooh. I think I think the be, I think the best place to start to me is more offensive weapons. You you think about a team, Kevin. Let, let, every team has a makeup, right? When you think about certain teams, certain things pop in your mind. Think about the Ravens. Think about you think about defense, right? 
Uh, when you think about Kansas City, you think about offense, right? When you think about Atlanta, you think about offense. So one thing that we forget, really was going all year, like literally going all year. They still made it respectable. We thought that Atlanta was going to be – once you start getting the seven, eight wins, you, you, talk, you start talking about picking – and you can pick anywhere from 10 to maybe even 15, 16, depending on – uh, you know how those uh because you you're a part of that team you're a part of the teams that's not gonna make the playoffs. But I think you got to give you got to give Matty Ice more 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 offensive help. Really has proven that one when you own the field you're dependable. But dude, we don't know we don't know where you are mentally. They're gonna support you, but supporting you off the field doesn't help us on the field. You got to get another offensive uh you know weapon on the outside. And Kevin, you know just like I know you got to get a running back. I'm sorry, man. I mean the thing about this, Cordero Patterson is not even gonna make the Pro Bowl now. That's where you might start. Resign him. Resign Cordero Patterson because he gives you depth in both the running back and receiver position. Could you imagine, Kevin, if he just had to play receiver? Like, oh, yeah, I don't got to no, know. You know, you can play one. So get you a running back. Get you somebody on the outside. And then, Kevin, I know we say this every year, just like when we go, you know, if if we get to go to NCB today, you're going to talk to the commissioner of the California playoff. Ask him it's going to be expansion. You got to get a pass rusher. Like, my goodness. It's like, I don't understand – what has been? What is? What is not? I mean, what? John Abraham? What? I see you in You know, just I mean, I'm just saying. You know, a Dwight Freeney. You got to get a pass rusher, a consistent pass rusher, because the one thing, no, well, the, the many things. AJ Terrell has panned out. You know, uh, you, t- you talk, uh, Kevin. You talking in? The, uh, you talking in the break about Grant? You know, a second round pick, the safety out of UCF. I mean, he's a rookie. He's gonna have to put it together. But if you can get a consistent Pass Russia, Atlanta is winning games without it. What you think they're gonna do if you know? What you think Grady Jarrett is gonna do if he got a guy on the outside that can consistently get to the quarterback? You don't got to lead lead the sacks. We're talking about pressure, so I think listen, Cordero Patterson, a receiver, a running back, and then you got to address. And I think you address. I think you get a veteran and a rookie. You get the veterans like you get a veteran running back. You get a veteran receiver. You get a veteran DN, but you also address it in the draft, Kevin, because. The one thing that I give Kyle Pitts a lot of credit for, he learned by himself. He didn't have nobody to show him the ropes. And he still, I don't know if he broke Mike Dicker's record or he's, or he, I know he's over 1,000 yards. I just think that when you got a, when you got a veteran showing these rookies the ropes, I think, uh, I think, I think this, uh, this Atlanta team will be, I think they're much improved in 2021. But, you know, if you're trying to salvage whatever Matty Ice got left, you got to give him some offensive yep. help. I, yeah, I think that's uh, certainly part of it. Now then, then the question becomes, all right, you're Atlanta. You've gone out. You've drafted Calvin Ridley. You've drafted Kyle Pitts. You've gotten some offensive guys in the first round. You've tried tackles and uh, offensive linemen. I know I'm usually against it. Do you get a running back in the first round, or is there a guy that you think uh, second, third round could be that feature back uh, that really comes in and and solidifies the run game? Because they again, it's kind of funny. Uh, they've been looking for that running back consistently mm-hmm. ever since they gave Devonta Freeman yeah. the big cheese, yeah. and then he ended up getting hurt, and the Falcons were like, what happened to all the running backs? Well, he got hurt, and you gave him all the money. So uh, I, I think that's going to be interesting to see what Atlanta does at the running position because Arthur Smith came out of that in Tennessee, right? I mean, he's like, you have maybe the biggest freak athlete running back ever, but, yeah. I mean, still, when I look at Cordero Patterson, I don't even see anything close to Derrick Henry, if that's the style you want to utilize. Yeah. I mean, you've done a great job working with what you got. Uh, but, again, I, I agree. Would you use a first-round pick? Go do something you wouldn't normally do, mm-hmm. as you said, because I think of that line of uh, you know from Moneyball where you know Brad Pitt's talking to Dave Justice Carey. He said, hey, look, let's be real here. I want to squeeze every last bit 
of baseball talent you got left out of you here. And I think that's what Atlanta's trying to do with Matt Ryan. Look, you're great. Best quarterback this franchise ever had. We're going to squeeze every bit of football out of you we possibly can. How can we do that? And I, you got to get him some help. Where that's somebody to keep him. He's been hit more than any quarterback in the league. Uh, again, are there enough quality offensive linemen in the first round that that's going to be a franchise changer for you? Maybe. Uh, but again, as much as people say the pass rush, I mean, look at the scoring for this Falcons team. Yeah, they won some games, but man, without Matt Ryan stand up right, it's come way down. Yeah, I, I do. I do think, Kevin. You, the reason why I say uh, I'm afraid to get a running back in the first round for the Falcons is because you don't know what type of running game they're going to have. But I will say this: do what you did the, the last time. Matty Ice had a great running back, right? I mean, you know, I mean, his name was Michael Burner Turner. Got him as a, got him in free agency. He was a backup to Lanyon Thomas. Now, <clears throat> I don't see them giving a the running back that much money this time around. But Kevin, we we ain't giving Kyle Pitts enough credit. People can see this young man. You want to play with him? I want to go out there and you know be be a running back on a team that's in desperate need of just running back production, consistent running back production. So running production. So I do think Kevin, there are a lot of running backs in the league right now that you can go out there and give. Because when people say, "Hey man, what's a good what's a good deal for a running back? Twenty mil? What? That's more money than you were making." Because at the same time. This Atlanta team is, is not going to just throw a bunch of money at a running back, and that's because Cordell Patterson might have shown, Kevin, might have really killed any chance of a big-time running back making big money because you got a guy who got a one-year deal doing that receiver and running back. Unfortunately, that's why he'd be tired as hell at the end <laughs> of the game. Excuse <coughs> me, But um, I just think for me, at the end of the day, you got to get a running back, Kevin. I think you get him in free agency. You get a guy that you can, you know, you give. You know, you. I mean, um, I don't, I don't want to compare to Nick Chubb. But Cleveland gave Nick Chubb like a three-year, thirty-something million dollar deal. That's now that's a lot of freaking money. But they, but they, one, they didn't give him a lot of years. But they gave they gave him a, a, a nice lump sum to trying to kind of compete. And I'm gonna tell you what really hurt the running back position. I'm sorry, people, but what hurt Le'Veon Bell, uh, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, and dare I say it, Ezekiel Elliott? Why? Christian McCaffrey hurt. Dalvin Cook stay hurt. Zeke getting outperformed by the guy behind him, a Pollard, who's outperforming him right now. And I and I and Kevin, you know how it is. Your, 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 uh, you know, the, the people that play your position have j- just as much to do with you getting your money than your actual individual sure. performance as well. So I do think that, yes, get a running back. Because, Kevin, you like me. If Atlanta is lighting up the scoreboard, you can deal with losing because you know, but Atlanta can't light it up because they don't have a real running back. I'm sorry, man. Mike Davis, <laughs> I love you. But when Mike Davis scored on Sunday, everybody was going crazy. Mike Davis, like, yeah, man, you could have did this like all freaking year. But I, I, I just think that, yes, you get a running back. You get a receiver because you don't know if it, that's it, that's assuming that really because if really comes back you're gonna have to do like I mean you're gonna be here all year but yeah you get you a running back get you a, get you a, add you another guy to the outside and Kevin maybe they got to get more than one more than one guy at uh, at at, uh, at defensive end because you know just like I know you can't stop the other team from scoring and you know it, it's gonna be hard for you to win a lot of games but yeah man Atlanta has done a really really good job man because I guess it's like we didn't have really. Like we didn't have real, like you know, uh, solid expectations for the Atlanta team. You wanted to, you wanted, to, you wanted them to not look bad. Like, like, look, man, we want to go out there and be competitive, and they <laughs> you have. You want to look like the Jacksonville exactly. Jaguars. You, you, listen, you don't want to look like the Detroit Lions. Yeah, and, and you didn't. But I will say, what makes it even worse, Kevin, when you come up a game or two short outside of making the playoffs, when you said, "Dude," it's almost like saying, "If I lose, I'd rather lose by thirty than lose by two. 
Because losing by two means I was almost there. It's like with Atlanta, they got Atlanta is playing the Saints this weekend, and obviously the Saints beat them. The Saints get in. If the if the Atlanta, which I know we're gonna talk about Atlanta, if Atlanta beat the Saints, that means you beat not only you keep the Saints out, you beat them twice, which is something. And I know Taysom Hill helps, you know, with that. But yeah, I, I but I, I think that it shows that Atlanta did one thing. They showed promise. They showed some fight. Uh, they got the second leading tackler in the league right now. So you got some things to feel good about. But you're gonna have to give Matty Ice some offensive help because unless Atlanta gonna take a quarterback in the first round, Matty Ice will be there at least another full year. Yeah, we'll talk to a D Orlando Ledbetter AJC.com when we come back. We'll look at the Falcons and Saints coming up this weekend and. We'll ask him some of those questions. Now that you're at the, uh, the last game of the year, where do you start looking to change this franchise and getting them better? He'll join us next here three down on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Here on this Tuesday, Kevin and Ben, final week of the NFL season, regular season coming up on Sunday, Falcons and Saints to close it out for Atlanta here in 2021-2022. And joining us here from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC.com, covers those Atlanta Falcons. D. Orlando Ledbetter joins us. Daryl, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on. And uh, Falcons wrap up the year with the Saints. I would imagine for Falcons fans, uh, this could be quite the uh, the nice start to 2022 if uh, while you haven't had the best season you hoped for, you could finish 8-9 and nine in Arthur Smith's first year and eliminate the Saints from the playoffs all at the same time. Oh, yeah, no question about it. That'd be a big uh, straw, a big feather in Arthur Smith's cap, winning some uh, fans, new fans in his new city, uh, you know, and uh, laying a good foundation for things to, to come in the future. D. Orlando, when you think about this, uh, you think about this Falcons team – Obviously, it wasn't big, big expectations going into the season because, you know, you had a lot, you had a very, very young team. But despite the fact that, you know, really is not there and Kyle Pitts seems to be the guy, you're still trying to figure out what you're going to do rushing the passer. For them to still kind of make the season respectable, you got to give Arthur Smith a lot of credit for that. Oh, yeah, no question about it. Uh, you know, they're 7 and 2 in one score games, and we know that's been a problem around here. Uh, so they're at least showing that they're going to go out and fight and play uh, teams tough. So uh, once you get a little bit better talent in here, uh, you, you really uh, couldn't fix everything in one year. That explains the line situation. Uh, and you really weren't expecting to lose, uh, you know, Ridley. So uh, given all of that, uh, the team has have to be considered a, a success for this year. And again, is that is that coaching or have the players – just done better than people thought maybe they they would because I know a lot of people step back, you know, a thousand-yard uh, view of this thing and said, boy, just not a, a, a lot of talent across the roster, but here they are. As Ben said, if a win, you'll be just below 500. Is that coaching or is this roster maybe better than some people thought it was? Yeah, no, I think it's coaching because the roster is, uh, you know, it's not anybody there that, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, that uh, should be in the Pro Bowl, maybe A.J. Terrell, that's about it. Uh, you know, they, they just don't have the edge rushes. They just don't have the line, the block. Uh, on offense, you got uh, Kyle Pitts and Cordell Patterson, you know, to, as far as weapons go. So uh, I think it is a testament to the new coaching staff, the clock management, uh, you know, trying to run the clock and make it play in your favor. They've done a lot of things to, to shorten up some games and, uh, then just be there at the end to get a, a kick to win the game, you know. Uh, that was definitely coaching. Some players have stepped up. You know, Jalen Hawkins is a player that 
uh, we didn't know much about. Michael Walker, Fourier Ulikan, he stepped up. Uh, you know, Grady Jarrett and Terrell were expected. Fowler didn't do anything off of the edge. Steven Means wasn't expected to do much. Uh, the rookie, Artie Yadakunje, played a lot, but we haven't seen him making any plays. So, you know, that experience will be key for these guys that played a lot this year. If we can see them make that old uh, jump from the first year to the second year type deal. And D. Orlando, even sticking with that, you think about uh, this team that they, they made it respectable. You talk about how much these young guys, these first-year guys, if, if these guys can make a jump like A.J. Terrell did from year one to year two, it's going to be phenomenal. But do you think they attack this and obviously free agency first? Like if they're going to get a running back in free agency, they also try to get one in the draft. They're going to get a, a, a D lineman, an outside pass rusher in the draft. I mean, in the free agency, they also get one in the draft because – the one thing that has been consistent for as long as I've known these Falcons team, why can't the Falcons find a, a consistent pass rusher? Yeah, it's been a problem since Abraham retired, but it's you know it's a problem around the league. But uh, what you got to do is develop guys. You know, uh, I don't know why they didn't take a flyer on T.J. Watt. They should have. They took Tack McKinley instead. Uh, you know, uh, you can go back and look at a lot of uh, a lot of people that. Uh, you know, uh, were drafted after the person they selected. So you got new people in here uh, doing the drafting, and, and you hope they do a better job of evaluating the talent on both levels, in free agency and the draft. All right, Daryl, if you are Arthur Smith going into this offseason, what's the uh, one position you're fighting hard for to address to get this thing corrected? Uh, offensive line, guard or center, whichever. I'm taking. I'm taking the biggest, baddest, meanest guy I could find uh, on either side of the ball. This team getting pushed around too often. Uh, can't protect the quarterback. Uh, can't stop the run. And those are two real fundamental things you got to do if you're going to win a championship in the National Football League. I know that Ben Rosenberger, uh, you know, played his last game last night in, in a, you know, last game at home in Heinz Field. I mean, I think about a guy that's meant that much to an organization. How much has, has Matty Ice really meant to Atlanta, especially in a year like this year to where you knew he wasn't going to have a lot? Kyle Pitts, as we mentioned, you know, you know, at least for one year, he's proven to be that guy. How much, how much have we learned about a guy like Matty Ice, for which doesn't really complain, but knew going into the season he wasn't going to have a lot to work with? Yeah, I mean, you should, uh, you know, give him the key to the city. I mean, this was not a good situation uh, to be in, given the salary cap and all the misses in the draft. And uh, Julio Jones saw it and was like, hey, I want out of here. So they, they got him out. Uh, to Matt Treaded, he didn't go to management and ask to be traded. So he's going to stay here and help them rebuild this franchise. Uh, and big part of that was uh, his role this year. Uh, knowing he was his line wasn't what it was, uh, they were able to get Kyle Pitts going, and, and you know that's what they're paying him for here is to teach them how to help them teach them how to win uh, until the eventual replacement is on board. D. Orlando Ledbetter joining us here on Three and Out, and uh, Daryl, you look at the, the offensive guys we've talked about. Calvin Ridley obviously has been out uh, dealing with uh, with mental health issues, which uh, we certainly. Uh, respect and encourage them to to take that time he needs. But from a planning standpoint with this Falcons team, when do they expect Calvin Ridley to potentially be back? And do they potentially look in the draft of free agency and say, we need to get a guy in case he doesn't come back? Oh, oh yeah, no question about it. Uh, 
you know, they, they uh, only got five games out of them this year, and you don't know what, what it looks like moving forward. So, yeah, you definitely are going to have to get a number one receiver, uh, you know, whether uh, you do that in the draft or uh, I don't think you, there's anybody on the roster to develop into that role. Uh, and so, yeah, you got to gotta try to draft you one or get one in free agency or via trade. Cordell Patterson was a guy that I mean, obviously he didn't even make the Pro Bowl, which I think is a travesty. But no one, no one saw him having this big of an impact, you know, at the running back position. Even though he can definitely do it, I mean, do you think he's going to be a priority in the offseason? Not necessarily give a you know a big time multi year deal, but to bring him back for what he means to the team. And obviously, he seems to be a a guy that's built to play for the, for Atlanta. Yeah, no, no question, Ben. Uh, their top three priorities are Cordell Patterson, Fourier Ulakan, and Youngway Koo. So that's what uh, it's my understanding. One, two, and three uh, are the people that they definitely want to go back, come back, and then you start looking at, uh, you know, if you can get better at a certain position. You know, they they hired the the veteran safeties last year, but can you got are there any better veteran safeties out there this year than Deron Harmon and? Eric uh, Harris and uh, Sean Williams. So you you'll try to upgrade. You got a little bit more money, uh, but yeah, you're gonna see a lot of roster turnover. But they definitely want to bring Patterson back. I mean, that's all they got on offense right now is Patterson and Pitts. Uh, and so you know you got to try to keep him back, keep keep them. And then Mike Davis is gonna be coming back because uh, you know it's a two year deal. Uh, and then, you know, try to add some, some weapons to, from uh, various uh, avenues, free agency, draft, and trade. D. Orlando Ledbetter, AJC.com, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, Daryl, you talked about Arthur Smith and uh, kind of the coaching up that uh, he and his uh, his staff has done. As, as you uh, get to be around him a lot uh, in the day-to-day kind of stuff that goes wrong, uh, along there in Flowery Branch, how do you kind of rate Arthur Smith, the head coach, as – First-year guy, obviously that was going to be a a roll of the dice given the guy the head coaching job for the first time. Uh, how do you feel like he's handled that, being the, the guy that has to answer all the questions day in, day out? Certainly he's had some roster adversity with guys uh, on the roster, off the roster. H- how do you think he's kind of proved himself out as a, as a head coach, or is it is one season not a fair assessment to do that on a head coach? Oh, he's doing a great job. He's off to a good start. You know, um, he's got a lot on his plate. Uh, you know, I always beef with the coaches over the injury report, so nothing new there that he doesn't want to, uh, you know, give us the uh, most up-to-date injury news. Cause, but uh, other than that, he's done a great job. He thinks that is giving the opponent an, uh, a competitive advantage. If they know that Kyle Pitts isn't playing on Monday, then they don't have to prepare for him. But, uh, you know, instead of just telling us, yeah, he's got a grade one hamstring and that's two to three weeks, he's not going to be back. He'd rather not do that. But other than the injury reporting, Coach Smith has done a great job thus far. I know we mentioned him earlier, but A.J. Terrell, you talk about making a quantum leap from year one to year two. I mean, it's not like he didn't have flashes as a rookie, but talk about how, how big of a step he's taken. Obviously, you know, taking nothing away from Grady Jarrett. I mean, he's definitely the guy to be that lockdown corner for them years to come. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, uh, Ben. He's done a great job, and I like what they did in Buffalo. Uh, you know, they didn't uh, make him stay on one side of the field. They let him travel with Stephon Diggs. Did a credible job, uh, five catches, 51 yards, uh, you know, nine targets. 
So, so um, you know, and that's one of the best receivers in the league. So you got somebody that could, if you you can find two other guys that can play man, um, then you got some. Otherwise, uh, you know, you just got one receiver covered and the other two wide open. So, um, but you definitely got one, and that's that's good to know going into the off season. The Orlando Ledbetter, AJC.com, our guest here on 3 and Out. Daryl, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for, for joining us again, man. Have a great one. All right, great, great, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, and have a great day. Appreciate it. D. Orlando Ledbetter joining us. The Falcons, one more game to go. And, and Ben, Falcons fans would love nothing more than to kick the Saints in the teeth and knock them out of the playoffs. Uh, no love loss between Falcons fans and Saints fans. They'd love to knock the Saints out of the playoffs with a win, and they can do that. Uh, coming up on Sunday. You always want to have something to play for, Kevin, at the end of the season, especially when your season is coming to an end. You want you want to play the spoiler. And there isn't a bit there is I mean there isn't a there isn't a better heated rivalry uh, you know, and, and, and a natural disdain for each other than the Falcons and the Saints. And, I, and the Falcons already won up in this series. They already beat the Saints at home. I know the Saints, I know they, they, they quote and said, we're going to make Atlanta our home this week. You know, they got all the light stuff out front. Disrespectful if you are a Falcons player. Disrespectful <laughs> if you are a Falcons fan. I'm sorry, Cam Jordan. I know you might not get a chance to separate old Kyle Pitts from his body, but I do think if this is the time ever for Atlanta to go into the offseason on a high note, try to get rid of them pesky Saints. Well, we've got more to come here. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here three and out on this Tuesday. We we still have bowl games. It's bowl season. Bet you forgot, Ben. Oh no, we still we still got one more to go. <laughs> not the national championship game. We have a bowl game and then the Texas Bowl tonight. LSU and K State. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. Apparently, LSU did not get the waiver for uh, for Nussmeyer to play quarterback. So if they play him, they'll effectively burn his red shirt because that will be his fifth game uh, he will have played in, which will burn the red shirt. Or they could just not play him and start a walk-on when you go, well, worst things have happened to bowl game. They have 39 scholarship guys because a number of guys have transferred out. Obviously, a number of guys have opted out who might be going to the National Football League. Both their quarterbacks have transferred. So LSU or a shell thereof, Brian Kelly might be going, who are – like even I don't know these guys and I just got here uh, and watched some of these practices – it could be interesting tonight with LSU and Kansas State. I want to address something that Kurt, that uh, Kurt Herbstreit said uh, after the game. He was talking about how opt-outs. He was saying that, uh, back, you know, I don't like, sure. oh, back in my day, back when I played, <laughs> guys, you know, he said, guys don't love football. I beg to differ. LSU has proven that guys do love football. Think about if you're that walk-on quarterback who's, he. You, listen, all the, like I say, Kevin, all the practices, all the film work, all the weight room stuff, don't get to play. Coach, you know. I don't know who knocked on them. Interim coach, Brian Kelly, I don't know who knocked on them told him, you're going to play. Now, <laughs> Kevin, think about this. Everybody wants to play, but a lot of times we say that knowing we're not going to play. But they said they literally have no scholarship quarterback on the roster. And you only got 39 available bodies. But just to think about those 39. Well, you got 39 scholarship 39, guys. You have, I'm sorry, 39 yeah. scholarship guys. What I'm saying is guys do love football. They might love it more now than even more. Yes, the profile of college football has, has, has gone up tremendously and it continues to go up. But to question the love of these student athletes, these young men, is crazy to me. Because I think, Kevin, you know, you think to yourself, look, man, I want to, you know, going to LSU, I want to play. No one, no one was decimated more in 2020 from, from the draft 
than LSU. They had to play with a depleted team there because everybody either opted out or went to the draft. Then you talk about 2021. Guys, listen, guys don't even wait to go to the transfer portal until after the season. They they leave it like coaches leave it. I'm leaving during the season with a game to go. Now you have to deal with COVID. You got to deal with available guys. But at the end of the day, Kevin, shout out to them LSU boys. Hey, man, we rooting for y'all to just – but just, just try to put 22 guys out there on the offensive, defensive, special team. Just go out there and have fun yeah. in the Texas Bowl tonight. Final bowl game before the national championship next Monday night. So we got one more to go coming up a little bit later tonight. It's three and out. So a lot to get to here. Hour number two, Drew DeArm and Tider Insider are going to join us in just a little bit. We'll talk about the Alabama getting ready for the national championship game coming up on Monday night. We'll take a look at the NFL coming down to week 18, the 17th game of the season for the first time. We'll see how that Kind of all played out uh, after much to do about adding another game to the schedule. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. But first, let's take three here on three and out. All right, Ben, take one. The Jaguars fans, I wish BJ was here for this because (laughs) this will be right up his alley. The Jaguars fans are planning a clown out. The final regular season game there in Jacksonville to show their displeasure with Shad Khan. And his decisions with the team, including uh, keeping GM Trent Baalke around. Uh, certainly uh, the idea that Shad Khan is okay with losing, as they've been a uh, pretty consistent loser under his ownership. Uh, the the fact that games are farmed out to London uh, under his ownership with no problem has got some fans mad. So they're going to wear clown masks and clown suits uh, to the game on Sunday. How would you rate that as a, a level of fan outrage? I mean, I, I give them a lot of credit. I mean, they gotta do something right, Kevin. Like, listen, what 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 can we do? And the clown, have you seen the clown emojis on Twitter stuff? They have the little mustache, like shot. I'm about on to say that they, yeah, it's got to have some indication that we're talking about Khan that he knows. I mean, <laughs> he, he'll probably use it as some type of a advertising ploy or so, something crazy. But no, I, I give this Jaguars team, this fan base, a lot of credit to be able to say, Khan, listen, we don't you, you and you, you and uh, Balky, you know, uh, the freaking GM, we don't like neither one of y'all right now. Unfortunately, we got to live with Khan. I mean, bad enough that you wanted us to be the lost, you know, the the, the London Jaguars <laughs> and, and things of that nature, and then. I, I give this fan base a lot of credit, Kevin, because you it's a coordinated effort. Thank God for social media that you can put stuff out. People, you know, and who listen, and if you're selling clown masks, I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's gonna be a surge in sales uh for the Jaguars team. But no, I mean, Kevin, I mean I go back to the I have to go back to the Browns when they was tearing up the stadium, uh back when they decided they're no longer gonna be the Cleveland Browns or uh the, the Saints or the Aints used to put the, the bags over the head. But what I'm saying is what, the, what is Detroit going to do? Detroit should not feel don't, – don't be – Detroit said, wait a minute, they're going to do the clowns. What are we going to do? I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> you talking the about paper bags before. Yeah, right? but, but I, I, give the, I give the Jaguars fans a lot of credit. I mean, there are most franchises that don't they, – they give these owners a pass. You know, a lot of time, Kevin, we don't know – we know who they are. We don't know how they look outside of Jerry Jones, who makes sure he does more interviews than the freaking players. But I give the Jaguars team a lot of credit. You want to say, you want to say look, we care about the Jaguars team. We are going to go – Probably back to back number one overall picks in the draft, but uh, yeah, I, I could I could dig the clown I could dig the clown uh, the clown uh, faces. That'll give them a little bit more airtime, Kevin. Uh, come Sunday, I, I'm I'm here for it, man. <laughs> I, I would love to see Jaguars fans in clown outfits at the game. I mean that is I mean that's amazing. I, I love that kind of stuff uh, because again, uh, in a, in a lot of a lot of instances, people say, well, especially in today's day and age, you're like. Well, the only way for the fans to voice their displeasure outside of ranting to the faceless vast that is social media that nobody, you know, is going to respond to necessarily is to not buy tickets. Well, if you don't buy tickets, been in the NFL, they make so much off the TV money. Like, okay, don't buy a ticket. It's fine. 
But to go to the game, dress as a clown, to stick it to the owner, I think that's a uh, that's a good way for the fans to kind of at least say, hey, we're here. We care about the team. Do you care about the team? We're the laughing stock. I like it. Do you it, care? I, 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 I'm, I'm here I, I, for it. I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to research some this week. I'm gonna see if I can get old old BJ Bennett, old clown. Uh, <laughs> you think he would actually wear it on the show? I think. I mean, he good. should. I mean, he should. I mean, he was listen. Couldn't get him out the Jaguars gear a couple of years back, Kevin, when they went to the AFC Championship game. He in here talking trash, and since then, well, it's been laundry day for the last two years. Uh, you know, since you know, since Blake Borders is gone, so maybe we need to call Blake Borders back. Who knows? <laughs> I'm here for the clown mask. All right, moving on. Take two. Ben Roethlisberger played what many people think was his last game for the Steelers at home uh, last night. Obviously, the Steelers have one more game, but his last home game there at uh, at Heinz Field. He could still play, potentially, but I think, uh, Ben, he seems like a guy that's, I'm the one franchise guy, and he may not play anymore uh, after this season. But where does Ben Roethlisberger rank, in your opinion, all time? At the quarterback spot, he's he's definitely all time great. I would I don't put him up there with the Joe Montana's, with the Steve Youngs, with the with the Tom Brady's of the the Aaron Rodgers of the world. As far as like uh you know those type players, uh, Kevin. But when you talk about tier two, when you talk about you know, and I say and I say Dan Marino tier two because he didn't win a Super Bowl. Not Dan Marino as a as a player right. individually, but John Elway's of the world. Uh, I think he's right there and. You know, he's synonymous with one with one franchise. That's that's I mean Tom Brady, you know, is with the Bucks. I mean, he's still adding to his legacy. And Joe Montana, Joe Montana went to the Chiefs. Up with Kansas City. <laughs> you know, so it's not like guys didn't end up in other places, but it's one thing to save you. 18 years. Wow. I mean, I remember we we got drafted back in 2004. I mean, I met him coming out of Miami, Ohio. People thought he would people thought that he was going to be I know a lot of people thought he was going to be right behind Eli. Wasn't going to be Philip Rivers, was going to be being Rosenberger, but you you see Mike Tomlin never ever had a losing season. I mean, didn't talk about a guy that won Super Bowls for Bill Cowher, for for Mike Tomlin. Never ever had a losing season while he was a starting quarterback. Went to the Super Bowl uh his 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 uh his second year. I think I think it, I could be wrong, but I think he is the youngest Super Bowl winner, I think, before Patrick Mahomes uh, broke that record. But, yeah, Kevin, he is tier two. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, let's think about it, Kevin. There are certain positions in sports. If you are, you know, a starting pitcher for the Yankees and the Red Sox, if you are the starting quarterback for the Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers, or the Pittsburgh Steelers, a lot comes with that. Like, it's a lot of responsibility. He more than lived up to it. Uh, a guy that, you know, I don't think he's better than Terry Bradshaw. Has all the records, not, not in the Super Bowls. But has all the passing records. It's more of a passing league now. But I give him tier two. Going to be a future Hall of Famer. And it's something to say, Kevin, when your career matters to more than just, like, your fan base. Everybody was watching when he came out last night. And obviously, he had all the cameras around him. But, hey, man, 18 years, two Super Bowls, three Super Bowl appearances. Hey, man, that's not, a, you know, uh, the, no slouch of a career. But I think he did the right way, you know, uh, with, a, with a lot of different uh, characters, Heinz Ward yeah. and different – but yeah, man, I think he's tier two, and I think I think that's something to be said about a guy for which no one saw his career becoming this. Oh, sure. And again, I I'm I'm right there with you. I I will say he's not amongst the total greats all, all time. But again, I think some of that too is, is perceptually the era in which he played in. I mean, every quarterback that plays right now, Ben, is playing with Tom Brady. Sorry, I mean that's just uh, that that's that's the guy you're stacked up against. He also played in the era of Peyton Manning. Sorry, again. And, I, and, <laughs> yeah. and so you start counting it down. You're like, okay, Ben at his peak was still not going to be considered better than no. Peyton Manning ne- or Tom never, Brady. Never, like, never, never, was a, never was a Super Bowl MVP. But I will say this about the AFC. People don't get this. This is this how, this how stacked the AFC, AFC was. When Tom Brady was in the AFC, uh, Joe Flacco, Tom Brady, uh, Peyton Manning, 
Ben Roethlisberger. That's it. Those are your those are your AFC championship. Those are your AFC uh, uh, championship winners and Super Bowl uh, participants. That's it. Now, once Tom Brady goes over to the NFC, you get Patrick Mahomes. Right. But so for people think, hey man, t- uh, what t- Tom Brady went to what? Uh, I think he went to nine. Yeah. He went to he went to nine. Good lord. Went to nine <laughs> in New England. I think um uh Tom uh I want to say um Peyton Manning went to three. Ben Roethlisberger went to three. Joe Flacco went to one. So it's like, dude, there isn't a lot of space. And I think for him to even have a name for himself, and Kevin, that's when the AFC North was the AFC North. I mean, he had to play against Ray Lewis and then Reed and Carson Palmer. So it's not like he went against those slides. But shout out to uh, he did it. He did it the right way. Won two Super Bowls. Helped uh, helped old Jerome Bettis win a Super Bowl in his hometown of Detroit. So there are a lot of great storylines. Came with controversy, but I think, you know, uh, sure. you, know you forgive in this league. But, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger, man, one of the greatest to do it. Second second tier, but uh, I still going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think uh, that's certain. I mean, you win multiple Super Bowls. Uh, that's probably going to happen. As you said, in a in a city that, I mean, the Pirates are there and the Penguins are there, but oh, and they about, love oh, the Steelers. Oh, it's all about them. They, they love the Steelers. They're in, uh, in 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 Pittsburgh, and you were the face. You and you and Bill Cowher and you and Mike Tomlin were yeah. the face of that uh, franchise yeah. for a for a uh, long long time. All right, moving along. Take three. Trey Young dropped fifty six and fourteen assists last night. On the Trailblazers, and obviously people are talking about the rising star of Trey Young, and he was asked about it after the uh, after the game last night. Benny said, "We lost." To that effect, I don't know, mm-hmm. that's not a direct quote. He said, "We lost." Uh-huh. How do you see Trey Young developing as an NBA superstar after performances like that? And not a guy that's gonna say, "Yeah, I'm putting up mine." I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen. And, and again, I'm not trying to say this in, 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 a, in a bad way, but you see guys like James Harden who's like, "Yeah, I got mine. I, I put mine out there." Trey Young's like, yeah, we lost. Like, who cares? We we did we didn't win the game. It was for nothing. What kind of superstar do you think Trey Young could be as he moves forward with numbers like that and kind of that that kind of feel about it? It's gonna it's gonna t- I I I, th- I think he I think he went from star to superstar status last year in the playoffs. I mean I mean took uh you know brought the best out of Giannis and those guys with the Bucks and obviously Giannis and those guys went on to win the uh, win the championship. But Trey Young is a, he's a, I mean he's Trey. He's already a one name superstar. And he gets it right. He understand. He understands he's going to be compared to Luka Doncic because of the trade and things of that nature. I already signed. I already signed a, uh, an extension there with Atlanta. You understand that when you have to play a certain team, you have to stop certain guys. You're not stopping Trey. You, there is either Trey has a bad uh, off night shooting or he's just going to take over. 56 points to show you what. But it's the 14 assists. He's a superstar, Kevin. That people want to play with on a very, 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 very young team. I mean, I, I just think for me, I. Atlanta is always going to be that mid-tier team, Kevin, because they got to get over the hump. Atlanta, in order to get respect, they got to win. They got to win the championship. They've, we, they've, 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 they've been good, but I think that Trey is the guy. People are thinking, "Oh man, you got the wrong dude." No, in a in a in a in a league that is very very driven by guard play, you got some of the best guard play the NBA has ever seen. He's amongst those guys. Trey Trey is good enough to make all NBA teams, but he's playing in the time of Kyrie and, you know, Steph and LeBron. But yeah, man, 56 points in the NBA is 56 points. I don't care who you did it with, against. So yeah, Trey is a superstar. He can score at will. I just think that when he has that type of performance, Kevin said we lost. That's the type of superstar. He like, look, man, I can, I can, I'm always lighting up the box score. I want to be in that yeah. win column. I think you, I think you look at it as well. I, I was reading the uh, the stat there on Twitter. I think he's just the second guy to have 56 and 14, or, or at least Ooh. that much, 50 plus and four. I mean, but you think about that. If James Harden drops 56, is he having 14 assists? No. On top of that, no, no. 
He'd be like, get he might me have the 14, ball. He might have, four, he might have 14 appearances at the free throw line. <laughs> give me, not no 14 assists. Give no. me the ball back. And yes. get out more. No. But uh, so, yeah, I think that's kind of the impression. Yeah, he dropped 56 and still had double-digit assists on uh, top of that. That's take three. We do it each every day. This time we're talking national championship. When we come back, Drew DeArmond going to help us break down uh, the national title game from Bama's perspective. He joins us next. Here. Good to have you back here. Three down. National championship game less than a week away at this point. Ben, is it's Georgia and it's Alabama. And we'll hear from Drew DeArmond, tighter insider, coming up here in just a, a couple of moments uh, here, Ben. But obviously, from Alabama's standpoint, people say, oh, been here, done that. This is a team that finally got the uh, Heisman Trophy winner on their squad in, in Bryce Young. Uh, this is a team that people have said has been not as good. Up to, I mean, I guess it's all relative, but people have said, oh, this Alabama team is not as good uh, as teams we've seen in Alabama before. And it's kind of interesting that whenever they've had a challenge thrown in front of them outside of Texas A&M, which Texas A&M, if, if you want to talk about it, Texas A&M kicked a field goal with no time left on the clock to beat Alabama. So they only have one loss, and that came on the very last play of the game against Texas A&M. Uh, other, otherwise, they were going down a field scoring and just didn't make a play they actually got a pass interference call to make him uh, jump into uh, to field goal range there. So, to me, you could say they haven't looked aesthetically as good as they have in the past, but they've still been very, very good. Yeah, they've been very, very good. I mean, they lost one game. I mean, go back to Jimbo Fisher making a declaration uh, before the season saying we're going to kick their you-know-what and went out there and got it done in dramatic fashion, mind you. But if you go back to this Alabama defense, the Georgia defense, they've given up the exact, the exact same amount of yards or – you know, uh, the whole season for so far as, you know, uh, you know, as a great, you know, or historic as the Georgia defense has been, Alabama's been right there. We found uh, Drew DeArmond, tighter insider. He joins us here on 3 and Out. Drew, welcome. How are you? Good, guys. How are you doing? Happy New Year and Merry Christmas to you. Hey, absolutely. Happy New Year to you as well. And uh, Bama, Georgia, the rematch. A lot of folks talked about it. What's the uh, approach here from uh, Nick Saban, Alabama? I mean, obviously – uh, Nick Saban did a great job with uh, Bama players thinking they were being disrespected against Cincinnati uh, by everybody. What's the message heading into this one in a week? Well, you know, the Cincinnati game was just a uh, one of these things where they, they kind of mirrored the Ole Miss game plan. Cincinnati ran a three-three-five. They were a little undersized in the front seven. And Alabama had a healthy Brian Robinson who had been able to take about three and a half weeks off after the game against Georgia where he – had the issues with the hamstring, was banged up. And so Alabama was able to just basically overpower Cincinnati. I will say for the Bearcats' sake that I think they had the best secondary Alabama's seen all year, Sauce Gardner and, uh, you know, of course, Kobe Bryant. He won the Jim Thorpe. They were probably the best set of corners Alabama's seen. They did a really nice job tackling in the secondary. Alabama kind of had to move Jamison Williams around. He ended up with seven catches for 62, but – didn't have the usual big-time vertical plays. Uh, they did hit one big vertical play to Ja'Cory, uh, you know, Brooks, who, who I think he'll be – he's going to be and continue to be a big part of this offense going forward. He made a huge play against Auburn in the Iron Bowl, as you know, uh, to save that game when they lost Jameson Williams to targeting. Now they've lost uh, John Mechie, who had 96 catches for nearly 1,200 yards, eight TDs, and so they've needed him to step forward. He's done that. But, again, it's interesting because Alabama's going to face this Georgia team. Uh, and a month ago they had John Mechie in the first half. They lost him near the end of that half. And we might see uh, two new corners because 
Josh Joe played in that game. He's had surgery on a turf toe. So Kool-Aid McKinstry played quite a bit. But And now, also, we, we did not see Jalen Armour Davis in that game. We saw him try to go against Cincinnati, and he was very limited. So from the start of the season to now, you might see, uh, you know, uh, Kyrie Jackson and Kool-Aid McKinstry as your starting corners. So Alabama's secondary's changed. The wide receiver room has changed. So there's going to be some different guys out there against Georgia. But to me, still, the biggest concern is the offensive line because the right side is banged up. Emil Echior has had a bad shoulder for about a month. And at the end of the game, as you guys saw, right tackle Chris Owens, who's by far their best option, he went down with an ankle injury. We'll see how healthy he is because the big key in this game, I still think Alabama's got the two best players. you got Will Anderson on defense, Bryce Young on offense. But the key is they have to protect Bryce and let him do his thing, and uh, we'll see how the offensive line holds up. Drew, the last time these two teams met, Brock Bowers, you know, freshman tight end for Georgia, was a big problem for this Alabama defense. I mean, I know they was able to kind of neutralize him a little bit more towards the end of the game, even though he still had a big day. What is going to be the game plan for him this second time around? I know he didn't have a huge game, uh, you know, against Michigan, but who's going to? What type of game plan do you see the D coordinator having against a guy in Brock Bowers who seems to make this entire offense go? Well, I'll tell you what, Ben, you were a big time tight end yourself, and not. Brock Bowers is a stud. I mean, Alabama gave up 10 catches to him, I think, for over a buck 30, you know, a couple touchdowns and a touchdown. Uh, you know, they gave up two touchdowns from the tight end spot. Washington also had a short one. But at times, they even had Brock Bowers covered and he made a play. So, to me, he, they've got to find a way. I think Brian Branch would have gotten my MVP award from the star position defensively in the, in the Cotton Bowl. He's got to find a way to match up and limit Brock Bowers somewhat. I mean, I still think the kid's going to make plays, but you need to hold him under 100 yards. You need to hold him probably to four to five catches and no explosive plays. They had trouble tackling him the last time, and that was a huge you know, part of the game. They've got to tackle better. Uh, and then also the other weapon that makes me nervous is I really like James Cook. I mean, I think he's an outstanding player. As a runner and receiver, he gave Alabama some trouble. He had a really big game receiving against Michigan because he's so versatile. You can line him up anywhere and everywhere uh, as a runner and receiver. And I think he's going to be a steal for somebody in the NFL draft, probably around uh, you know round three. So, to me, I think Georgia's got some decent guys outside, but it all comes back to the middle of the field. And I think if you look at Georgia's offense and the way they – they run three tight ends many, many times for much of the game. They like to attack the middle of the field, uh, you know, with their quarterback, uh, you know, and uh, Stetson Bennett. And so they're going to have to try to limit uh, Brock Bowers and James Cook to me. If they can do that and make it difficult for Georgia to score, I think one of the keys to the game in, the, in Atlanta was Alabama played really good red zone defense. They're going to have to do that again. And you made a great point uh, before I came on in the segment it's, it's interesting. Georgia has an outstanding defense. There's no doubt about it. But the thing that they've got right now is I think Alabama's defense has developed to the point uh, where it's just as good as Georgia's. And I think they both are really stout against the run. And the first thing Alabama's going to have to do is make Georgia one-dimensional. Drew DeArmond, tighter insider, joining us here on 3 and Out. And I, I guess the, uh, the big question is we just saw this uh, game uh, about a month ago. What will – be different obviously I would imagine 
Uh, Georgia's not going to try to do the same thing. It's not going to try to attack Alabama the same way. What does Alabama expect Georgia to try to do differently? Well, I mean, I, I would think that they're going to blitz a little bit more. They did send their linebackers quite a bit. Alabama picked it up the last time. I would think that they're going to change that up a little bit because they've got to move Bryce Young off his spot, got to get him under some pressure because they didn't have any sacks the last time, guys. And Georgia averages over three sacks per game. So I would think their pressure packages may be a little bit different. And, of course, they're going to really test the right side of that O-line. As I told you, I think that those guys are banged up. Now Alabama's going to have to counter that. They're going to have to get the ball out of Bryce's hands. They're going to probably have to move the pocket some. So that's how I would think that Georgia would attack Alabama defensively. Offensively, I mean, I, I, it's going to be interesting. They, I, the big thing for Georgia will probably be to eliminate, uh, you know, the, the turnovers and be better on third down because, you know, uh, the, the stat line for Stetson Bennett sands the two interceptions was pretty good against Alabama, and they moved the football. What they need to do is be more productive in the red zone not turn the ball over on down, and also cash it in for TDs. So I'm not sure we'll see them reinventing the wheel offensively. I think it'll be more of just trying to be more efficient and not turn the football over. And really it comes down to old-school football. Alabama won the game on third down offensively and defensively, and you already heard Kirby Smart make mention of that. They, uh, Georgia's got to be better on third down in this game against the Tide. Drew, when you think about a guy like Bryce Young, he seems he seems to always be ready for the moment, regardless of how the game goes. You look at what he was able to do, you know, at the end of the you know uh, of the Iron Bowl, the end of the LSU game. You look at what he did against Georgia. He seems to be ahead of his time. How much has a guy like Bryce Young benefited from the guys that came before him? I know we always talk about the you know the, your individual uh, rooms that you in, but having a Mac Jones last year, understanding the camaraderie of a Tua and a Jalen, he was a guy that I was the number one uh, player in the country. But he seems to be ready for the moment and he seems to play different with each team he's out there against. Yeah, you know, I would agree with that, Ben. I think he's got a really tight relationship with Mac Jones. I think they've talked throughout the year. Uh, they talk every week. They text. They uh, they talk on the phone. Mac helped him, you know, show him how to prepare last year when they went on this journey and went 13-0. and And now they're trying to go 14-1 and and repeat for the second time. You know, under Nick Saban, they did it in 11-12. and Now they're trying to make some history that's never been done. There's never been a team, you know, beat a football team and then play them again in a national championship game and win. It's happened six times, and the team that lost the first game won the rematch every time. So Alabama is a three-point underdog in this one. I'm sure they're going to play that up after they were so impressive in Atlanta. But certainly I think, you know, the relationship that, uh, that Bryce Young has with Mack has helped him handle these kind of situations, to handle the Heisman situation because of course Mac went finished third in that race Devontae Smith winning the award but I think he's I think he's probably looked to to and talk to Devontae Smith as well I think he's used those resources to continue to uh, you know round his game out and mentally prepare because I think Mac Jones and that's the one thing we've seen he'll probably be the NFL rookie of the year the thing that he did so well in his Alabama career was prepare he's done the same thing with Bill Belichick and the Patriots and I think he's really helped Bryce Young. I, I know this team's going to be prepared to play Georgia. Now you have to go out there and execute and beat a really good elite football team twice. It's not easy to do. I think this Alabama team can do that. I think Alabama has the two best players uh, on this football team or on, in this game and Bryce Young uh, offensively and Will Anderson defensively. And I think Alabama's defense has evolved to the point, even with the injuries in the secondary, 
I think that the University of Alabama uh, is the, is uh, the better team in this game. I like Alabama thirty one to twenty over Georgia. I think that they've got uh, the better football team, but they've got to go out and prove it uh, on Monday night. Drew, speak to that because I know obviously in this state you talk about uh, living up to. Uh, the expectations at Georgia and everybody that's a Georgia fan is talking about 1980 and let's get that behind us. And uh, it's a great chance for Georgia to go out and prove they should win the national championship and it's payback and all that that's uh, in there for motivation. And Ben and I talked about this. There's something around uh, organizations and programs like Alabama. You say the Yankees, the U back in the day where there's that pressure to win simply because you don't want to be the guy that didn't win. Right, I mean, how was that kind of mindset throughout this Bama program where it's like we don't want to be the team that underperforms in the big moment. We finally have a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. I'm sure Bryce feels some of that. Like, hey, I won the Heisman Trophy. Got to win the national championship. Speak to kind of like the mindset and maybe some of the internal pressure that's there to live up to the reputation that is Alabama, so to speak. Well, I mean, guys, I think they had some issues with that early. I think that's why they struggled against Florida. Uh, they were a young group who, you know, were struggling with the fact they were hunted. Uh, and I think this team has come a long way. I mean, certainly I think that it was a wake-up call when they lost the Texas A&M game. And, you know, they dug the hole in that game, came back, but weren't able to finish it. Uh, certainly, you know, each team is different. Uh, last year's team was blessed with so much internal leadership. This group has kind of had to evolve, uh, and they've done so. I think it's, a, it's been a more fragile team that Nick Saban has had to kind of massage to the end. But now they've, I think they've, they've learned how they have to approach things and play. It's another reason why I'm very confident, uh, you know, in this team going into the game against Georgia. Though I understand the injuries are becoming an issue. I mean, eventually you can't avoid them all. But I think Georgia has also had some in the secondary. So I think really it's all, it all comes back to Nick Saban and the, uh, and the mindset that he instills in the process. Uh, that he that he uh, you know always tells the players that they have to abide by. I do think he's tweaked his approach, especially this year with this group, and I think this group has probably come further than any team he's ever had. I think it's Nick Saban's best coaching job because they lost so much transcendent talent on offense, and they've had to re-establish uh, you know their identity a little bit. And they had coaching staff changes as always. They're going to have more after this year with Jay Valai going to Oklahoma. That's what makes Nick Saban so remarkable. He's never had the same staff come back on the, from the same year at Alabama. It's not going to happen going into year 16. So, I mean, it's just amazing what he's done, the consistency and performance for Alabama. And now he's got a chance to, you know, win his eighth national championship and his seventh uh, at the University of Alabama, which is just remarkable. And that they're, now they're playing to their ninth one. You know, if you covered this team or are a fan of Alabama, I don't think in your wildest dreams you ever would have thought it would have been this consistent, especially with all the parity now in college football. And now with NIL, that's another, uh, you know, challenge for Coach Saban. But he's been up to all of them, and that's what's been amazing to watch the best to ever do it, build this kind of program in Tuscaloosa. Drew DeArmond, tighter insider, our guest here on 3 and Out. Drew, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Always appreciate being on. Appreciate it. Drew DeArmond joining us here on 3 and Out. We've got more to come all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here with you on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Again, we're coming up on Week 17 in the National Football League. Ben, Falcons, and Saints, we mentioned 
uh, there as well. What about the week 17 or the week 18, 17th game uh, on the schedule? What did it add? I know we had a huge debate about, hey, what about no preseason? What mm-hmm. about uh, player safety? What about more money for the players? 17th game. And here we are, week 17, and only two teams have anything on the line going into the last week of the season. I mean, it, it, these uh, these schedule makers, Kevin, they, they got lucky, right? Because let's face it. When I was in the NFL, a lot of times they wouldn't schedule uh, conference games to the end of the season because teams had already locked it up and then they, they wouldn't play their starters. Well, always remember, these TV deals are predicated on the stars playing. They right. want to see the stars play. Well, how do you do that? You make every game count. Well, and people, it, it, it's, it's real similar to baseball. All these games, Kevin, it'll still come down. Man, they, it's going to come down to the last two games of the season. I, uh, You know, this, uh, this, uh, this Falcons team, you know, give them a lot of credit. They can, they can play the spoiler. You know, and and I think what happens in the season, Kevin, we we get, you know, you're gonna look at the team you root for, the division that they play in, and whoever, you know, what the guys, you know, in their division are doing. But I I just think that for for a Saints team that's that's got that's thinking, oh, we we gonna beat this Falcons team, they're not gonna have Kyle Pitts. Well, let's hold on now. I mean, the the, the Falcons already beat y'all. You got Cordell Patterson. I mean, AJ Terrell. I mean, you know, I mean, we 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 talk about Atlanta not having Ridley. Michael Thomas hasn't been there all year, I don't think, for the Saints. Now, you still got to deal with Alvin Kamara. Maybe Deion Jones will earn his check on Sunday, you know, or Monday or whatever, whenever they play. I, I I, just think that for me, Kevin, this this is, you know, this 17th game was something that was very, very frowned upon uh, by the players because you see how hard it is to make it during the season. But now they do this new thing to where if you go on IR, you can actually come off it during the season. We just see a lot of guys do that. So you'll see a, a five- or six-week injury and the guys come off. But, I mean – this 17th game, we'll see what happens, Kevin. But if it's going to be like, let's face it, Thursday night football this year was rough. I know, but I'm saying, but if it's going to 17, like last, if, if we had a regular 16 week NFL season, mm-hmm. how crazy would last week have been where you had a number of teams clinching, getting eliminated, playing for something? I mean, now you get to week 17, and again, you can't make it turn out this way, but you, you get to the 17th week, and there's really only two games that have any kind of relevance in the whole league. Uh, and that involves the two teams that could be eliminated. Uh, so uh, it's very, very interesting to see how it's yeah. going to uh, how it's going to play out uh, in terms of that seventeenth week. Like, what what did you really bring to the table in terms of intrigue in that seventeenth week? Or there are a lot of teams who are like, hey, we're in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. Like, like I said, resting guys potentially uh, going into into the postseason as well. I know that happened anyways, but I know. A, Having the two division games the last two weeks, yeah, as you said, brought a lot of intrigue to the last two weeks because not much had been decided and a lot could have been decided in those last two weeks. And we don't really see that uh, this week where it seems like in the last two weeks of every season, it's the, well, if this happens, if this happens, if this yeah. happens, if this happens, you didn't have a lot of that coming down the stretch here in the National Football League. You don't, you don't. But, but I, I do think, Kevin, just to be able to have some intriguing games at all, the last the last week of the season, and you know a lot of people. Unfortunately, there are people who don't understand how heated Atlanta and, and the Saints rivalry is heated. They do not like each other. And the thing about the Saints is, right, the Saints players are already talking trash. Like, hey man, y'all can go ahead and pencil us in. Uh, no, Maddie Ice and those guys. I mean, no Drew Brees. Big problem for the Saints this year. They struggled all year, even though they had they have a bulk of their players. I I I think that when you think about uh, some of these teams, Kevin, that's not making it to the playoffs. 
how do we want to end? You know, it's every day is an audition in football. How do we want to end or how do we want to start, I guess, 2022? I mean, the season's so freaking long. It starts in 2021 and ends in 2022 before the playoffs start. But the fact that you have some level of intrigue with some of these teams, because I, I will say this, Kevin, what type of momentum do you want going into the playoffs? Because if you do rest, guys, you know, and they don't play most of the game because everybody gets scared about the injury bug. What type of what type of momentum does that that does that not give you? Because if you are Green Bay, you got the best record. I get it. You're gonna rest guys, try to give guys a couple of weeks. But if you a team that's got to play, you know, the next week, you might want to go out there and get as much playing time as you can because football is a rhythm based sport. You don't want to be taking no time off. But yes, I just think that the game of the week will be Atlanta and 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 New Orleans because New Orleans, you know, let's face it, Atlanta don't like them. Do others don't like Atlanta? They are already being disrespectful with all the lights and stuff in front of the stadium. If Atlanta Kevin can find a way to, and if Atlanta can find a way to beat the Saints to keep them out, that gives them a lot of motive, momentum going into twenty twenty two. Because Kevin, you know, like I know, if you if you're not going, you want nothing more than to make your rival not go as well. Absolutely. As as Falcons fans, seeing the Saints go home. And uh, and <laughs> yes. not get to play in the postseason. That's yes. uh, that's a late Christmas present. It is. That's a uh, early New Year's Day present. It's a hey, see you, Saints. I, I remember was it? Uh, I'm trying to think what the year was uh, where the Saints. It was coming down the stretch, and the Saints were able to get over on the Falcons, and they came out and danced on the the, the, the Falcons logo at the end uh, after the game, and I, that really got a lot of people worked up. Hey. Chance to stick it to the Saints I, I will say, on Sunday. Petty, if you this, could, this, is, this is petty 2022. Of course it is. And, and, and Kevin, I know, we, listen, we sports always talk are, about sports sports are petty all the time. I will say this. Last year, uh, the uh, when the uh, Baltimore Ravens beat beat my Titans, they they they, they celebrate on the field. They dance on the logo. Right? The Titans have locked up the, uh, the uh, AFC South. I think they got the best record right now in the AFC. But I, when people be like, you shouldn't do that. No, 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 no. Keep me from doing it. <laughs> because at the, at the end of the day, Kevin, right, this is about moments. This is about memories. And if you are Atlanta, what does it say about Atlanta in a down year if we beat the Saints and kept them out? What does that say about them? Because, see, you know that's what it is, Kevin. It's, okay, Atlanta, okay, the most recent, obviously the most recent NFC South winning the Super Bowl was Tampa Bay. The most recent appearance in the Super Bowl before that was the Falcons, and then the Saints obviously won it. No Drew Brees, no more Taysom Hill. He's not a quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care. But, yes, Atlanta – Please keep the Saints from winning because if they do win, they're going to act a fool in the dome, man. They're going to get to acting crazy. So we'll see what happens. But it should, it should make for fireworks. Hopefully the Falcons can go out there and scratch a claw and get a big W. I would love to see it. Week 17, <laughs> uh, send the Saints pack and, and into the offseason. we got more to come. It's 3 and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to be here on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. We're talking Georgia-Bama coming up uh, top of uh, next hour. Also, Connor Riley, Dog Nation, will join us. I know we got the Bama side of things, uh, Ben, with Drew DeArmond. And we'll hear from Connor Riley, Dog Nation, and get his side of uh, how things are shaping up, counting down to this national championship game. Of course, a bowl game tonight, the Texas Bowl, Kansas State, and LSU. I kind of like these guys. Like, I, I know, Ben, if, if, if it's me and I'm running one of these 800 bowl games, because you talked about it. Like, I'm definitely post-New Year's Day. I, I, I like this. We're done with the New Year's Day bowls. We're waiting. We're waiting. Give me a Tuesday, Wednesday game. Uh, you know, what? who cares? One more college football game is Texas K-State and the Texas Bowl. Great. You know, I, like, I love this. Throw it out here the week in between. 
why not just, if you really want to be college football, have your New Year's Day bowl games and stack some of these things. Mm-hmm. I know you have I know you have school uh, that's back in session, but let's be real. It's not, a, I mean, no, nobody's caring if the kids miss class. I mean, just, just saying. Uh, they're not. So you go, uh, give me that week in between the national championship game and New Year's, and let's fill it up with some bowl games. I mean, the NFL can still have Monday night football. That's fine. Uh, the Tuesday, Wednesday, give me a couple of bowl games in there, and let's get going. I told y'all, listen, I, I've been trying to tell y'all, listen, that Kevin is really I don't, a lover not, of bowl look, games. There no. can still be too many. Just take one of the, like, <laughs> there's like a, the first Saturday bowl yeah. season, there's like seven. There Just is. take a couple well, you of got, those. Listen, I mean, they, they do treat bowl games like like Thanksgiving. They'll have like the, like the early game, the midday game, yeah. and, the night, and the nightcap. But Just take no, a couple of those, give them their own day. It's fine. Then I will say this. This is when social media is at its best because most people are not fans of K-State or LSU, but we're going to be commentating this game, it starts off with what the players are doing. Like, oh, they only got 39 guys on scholarship. Yeah. They got a guy who's uh, who not on scholarship but going to be starting as a walk-on at quarterback. Then it becomes, oh, who's the bigger brand? Oh, who has the better coach? It's almost like we start making up stuff, but one thing is for sure. Kevin, we are lovers of college football. College football is the best variety of football and, and you know, and brand of football there is. I mean, th- there isn't a bigger, there isn't, there isn't better players than in the NFL, but K-State has a long tradition, you know, of having some really, really good players. Uh, you know, and and I just think that this LSU team, Kevin, they get to go out. I would have loved, loved for Coach O to be out there. Just one last. Just, 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 you know, Mr. Gold Tigers himself. But I will say this, Kevin. I mean, now, because it's, you know, because it's uh, Tuesday night, this is the off day for most guys in the NFL. Is it going to be star-studded on the LSU side? It's in Texas, right? Odell? Huh? Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow, you know, uh, you know Jamar Chase. I mean, and so on and so forth. I mean, Marcus Spears, Ryan Clark. What's up? I mean, Jamarcus Russell. I mean, because Kevin, that's. I mean, I haven't had a chance to really do it. But remember, we and I'm and I'm and I'm gonna tell myself we were talking about. You know, when Philly was in the Super Bowl, we was like, who's A-listers? Like, who would get in? I said, Randall kind of have. <laughs> He's not going to get A-list. <laughs> and, 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 but think about that, though, Kevin. If you were a former LSU Tiger, now there's a difference between being a former and you one of those dudes or you played there. And, you know, you get there, you got the guy with the list. And he hits you. And listen, it, listen this is how you know you ain't on the list. If he takes the paper and flip it, and he starts going, mm. So if you're on page two, that doesn't oh, well, count. Because there is no page two. He just, he just <laughs> flipping it. Think about this. Odell, you know him. You know, Joe Burrow, Chase, and Jefferson, they're the latest and the greatest. But, you know, if you're Thaddeus Moss and you, you know, Randy Moss' son, unless your daddy is already in the game, they'd be like, Thaddeus, mm, God. So that's they, good to know. So, this, so, so if I ever go to a nice <laughs> restaurant or, or something like that and I'm like, hey, reservation, or and they, they go page two, they're just fake looking. They don't know me. I'm not. Oh, alone. no, no, no. Oh, 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 here it is. Oh, here I'm it trying is. trying to get into the exclusive. Oh, here, here, oh, here it is. Now, They'll say who? This, this, is when you know, this is when you know you're going to get in. Now, sometimes the guy with the, with, the, with the paper, he don't know. Patrick Hewan at Madison Square Garden, they don't know who he is, which is ridiculous every time I say that. Like, you don't know who Patrick He's seven feet tall. He looks like somebody. So even if you don't know who he is, you have security. But, you, but he's at security. But, Kevin, if you're on a list, right, you can still get in. If a random guy walks up to the guy with the list and whispers in his ear and the guy looks at the guy with the him and he goes, move. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Thomas. Like, like that, 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 that can I'm, happen too. I'm going, I'm going with you. You're going to get me. In. Listen, at, at, I'm, at, I'm at like, hey, I'm with Ben. At the end of the day, I'm gonna make a scene. Like, like we're getting in, Kevin, because I'm gonna hit him with that. What you mean? I'm just gonna start talking loud, and this is how you get in for real. So that's if, your strategy. If no, you're not no, no, on the list, just make a scene. Make and a scene. Let no, you. no, no. Two, two ways to get in. <laughs> if, if two ways to get in. If you, if you, if you're not on the list, 
you make a scene, but you got to know somebody that's already in there. Like I got to, I got to yell out, yo, you know, like, what's up, Odell? And listen, because this is the thing, you don't want to be that guy. If Odell, which I don't know Odell, but if Odell walks up and go, what's up, you like, what's up, man? This, you know, hey, the hill starts, you don't know who this is, which I'm, I'm a nobody. But then, but you're with me. I said, wait a minute, that's my homie. That's, that's Kevin Thomas. So, so Kevin, basically, Kevin, if we're there, we're getting in. And once we get in, we in there. What, what can they do? That's right. And the people who have the most fun, Benoit says, are the ones who weren't invited. So <laughs> <laughs> our name's not on the list, but we're getting in. Uh, anyway, Texas Bowl tonight should be a lot of fun uh, to see who I'm intrigued to see who in the heck suits up for LSU and how this game plays out. We'll come back. We're talking national title game, Georgia and Bama. We talked about the quarterbacks, great stories there. But what about these defenses heading into the championship game on Monday night? We'll hit that. Connor Riley joins us final hour as well here on three and out Southern Pigskin Radio Network here on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop on three and out. Connor Riley, Dog Nation will join us in about 30 minutes here on the show. We'll talk to him about uh, Georgia coming into this ball game. We heard from Drew DeArmond last hour, Ben, and I thought made some interesting comments uh, about uh, Alabama. And we talked about the quarterbacks uh, coming into this game. But you look at the defenses, both very good. He actually made the statement, Ben, Alabama's defense over the course of the season, he thinks, has caught up with and is as good as Georgia's defense. So it may not be a case of Stetson Bennett or Bryce Young. It may be which one of those defenses rises to the occasion. Do you buy that Alabama's defense is caught up with what Georgia put out? I mean, because, again, everybody liked to throw Georgia's defense under the bus, uh, Ben, after what happened in the SEC championship game. And then, well, they played Michigan in the Orange Bowl, and that defense showed up again in, in, in a big, big way. So, uh, you know, Michigan did nothing until late in the game, uh, for the most part, uh, when they had the football. So which defense do you feel like is most ready to rise to the occasion? Do you feel like Alabama's defense has caught Georgia's defense in terms of where they're at? If so, it could be a defensive slugfest here. I don't know. I don't know if Alabama's defense has caught Georgia's defense, Kevin, because I I just think that we just haven't paid attention to Georgia. I mean, Alabama's defense as much as we have in the past, and that could be scary for Georgia. Will Anderson did not have a, a good game uh, the last time they played in the SEC championship game. You saw how he made his presence felt against Cincinnati. I'm not saying Cincinnati is Georgia by no means, <laughs> no. but I think that Alabama is just built for this moment because. With so much talk going into the last game, it was about Georgia's defense versus Alabama's offense, and that's what it proved to be. Could it be this Alabama defense saying, "Look, man, we want to we want to be the headliner. We want to we want to take all the pressure off our offense to give our or kind of do for our offense what Georgia does for Georgia's offense. We're gonna take we're gonna give extra possessions for our offense. We're gonna stifle this Georgia uh, offense by taking away Brock Bowers." And will I, I agree with something though? Drew DeArmond said. I mean, they got the best two players, uh, you know, in this game. I mean, one is a Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce, and then you talk about Will Anderson. A guy who I don't even know why this guy was SEC defensive player of the year had to, I think I think was what number number one number two in sacks wasn't even a Heisman Trophy finalist you know Aiden Hutchinson was get out of here with that nonsense man I mean you know how hard it is to be the SEC first team all defense let alone SEC defensive player of the year when you got Nicobe Dean for Georgia when you got you know uh you know Jordan Davis uh for Georgia so yes Kevin I do think this Alabama uh defense is gonna be center stage because. You know, we got guys that's injured. They, 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 they say they probably come. I mean, they got a guy that's going to be potentially starting for freaking Alabama named Kool-Aid. I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> people, the guy's coming. He's coming, you know, he's coming to get right. But, Kevin, you know, just like I know, this is what makes Alabama Alabama, right? They three-point underdogs. They, they eat rat poison. They think they're the under, you know, all this nonsense. But Rat poison is the, yummy. But, but that stuff works for Alabama because it's something you said. 
They're chasing something different in Alabama. Man, I don't want to be that team. I definitely don't want to be that team that lost to Georgia because you're, they're not going to talk about what you – they're not going to – in life, we don't talk about what you do. We talk about what you didn't do, what you almost did, what you coming up just short. But, yes, I do think this Alabama defense don't like the fact that the Georgia defense is the headliner. When they got the defensive player of the year – I'm, so if you if you are that if you are that Georgia offense, I know that they're not gonna let Brock Bowers go out there two games in a row and go out there and beat them. Who's gonna be another guy? But I do think Kevin Gass. When the defense, Georgia defense is gonna do what Georgia defense does. But I think this Alabama defense is saying, look, everybody so everybody love JT Daniels, right? Well, the last time uh, the last time Alabama played Georgia in the national championship, Georgia I mean Alabama pulled their starter, but in the second half of tour. I guarantee you, if JT Daniels comes in the game, two things gonna let you know if Georgia's not having a good day. If JT Daniels comes in the game not having a good day, and if uh, and if uh, old Stetson Bennett, if 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 he got the pass, you know, if he got to throw for three hundred yards to win it, that's going that mean either they playing from behind or they trying to or they you know or they trying to you know get back in the game. I just think that for me, it's gonna be this Alabama defense, Kevin, because we haven't talked about this Alabama defense all year, and they got the best player in the SEC on their defense. And they've given up the same number of yards as Georgia. So as much as Georgia's d- done, I think Georgia's number one against the run. Alabama's number two. Georgia, Georgia defense, Alabama defense giving up the same number of yards. And when they made each other head to head, Alabama got that dub. So I'm telling you, if Will Anderson can get going and Henry Toll totally can get done, get going, that second day can get going, it could be a long day for Georgia, Kevin, because you know, just like I know, if the other team can't score, the other team can't beat you, I think this Alabama defense is going to have a, have a really, really nice showing. Yeah, and again, I think I was talking about this with Christian earlier uh, before the show, uh, and we were talking about the two defenses here, and he said, you know, for him what concerned him was, was would Georgia be able to score enough? And you look at the the past national championship games, Alabama, Clemson's, and uh, games like that, uh, Ben. In today's college football, you can have a great defense. You still got to be able to score thirty plus points in the national championship game to win it, right? I mean, you can have elite defense anymore. Is what Georgia's team is doing. But when you play a top team, look again. Look at what happened with Alabama. Alabama put up forty. One of those was a pick six. The defense gave up thirty. Your offense needs to be able to score. 30-plus in a primetime elite matchup in order to win a national championship. Clemson had to do it. Alabama had to do it to beat Clemson, uh, Ben, uh, when you see those situations. And I think that is what, uh, to me, is the question. Not whether Georgia's defense can be be good, but, again, what's good against the other best team in the country? 30 points? 33 points? Georgia's, I think, got to be able to match that. And can they do that against Alabama's defense? Uh, will be interesting to see. I, again, I think it's which defense folds first. And by fold, I mean just give up an egregious game-changing play. That might be the uh, – the, again, if, if, if they drive down the field on Alabama or Alabama drives down the field on Georgia and they score, I, that, that's going to happen. It's the two best teams in college football, right? If you have those game-breaking plays, busted coverage – Guys running wide open that goes for 60, 70 yards in a touchdown. Those, to me, are demoralizing because they just, they got you. They out-schemed you. You, made a, you had a breakdown of what you were trying to do. I think you got to stay away from those and which defense kind of buckles first. That could be interesting because, again, we've seen national championship games. Good national championship defense isn't the same as week nine defense. Good national championship defense might be, hey, we gave up three touchdowns. We'll call it. And that might be good enough, be good enough to, to win us the whole thing. Yeah, Kevin, 
One thing, one thing that's one thing, Kevin, that you keep on bringing up. What's scary about this Alabama defense is we're not talking about them at all, like at all. Like yeah, Alabama won, and it was all about that offense. Well, I mean, who hell, who hell? I mean, well, last time I checked, you talked about the pick six, and Alabama second half adjustments. Alabama comes out playing that way and force, you know, uh, and forces our Stetson Bennett to some bad throws. Kevin, I mean, isn't it crazy? When we saw Alabama against Cincinnati, they got back to old school. We're going to play stifling defense. We're going to take away everything you do well. We're going to force you to be one-dimensional. You can't beat Alabama like that. You just can't. And I know – isn't it funny that every year this is the best coaching job that Nick Saban's done? This is the best coaching job he's done, right? <laughs> we, we hear that every year, right? But you don't want to have a Hydro Trophy winner finally at – the one thing about this Hydro Trophy winner, Mark Ingram, Devonta Smith, Derrick Henry, national champion. You don't want to be a – you don't want – you don't – it's like winning a Heidman for nothing, which has – that's, it's not for naught, but right. I just think that, Kevin, we, we make so much about the, the offenses and, and, and the big-time players. If Will Anderson in that defense and go out to Hero Toa Tola, who was, who was obviously a Tennessee Vol last year, if he could pay dividends because obviously he give up the touchdown pass to Darnell uh, Washington and open the drive again the SC Championship game. If those guys come to play, Kevin, it could be a long day because you know just like I know. Alabama goes up by double scores or double digits. And they put that stranglehold on Stetson Bennett. It's going to look like it's 30 of them out there against 11. So, yes, Kevin, I do think with so much talk about who's going to do what, I think Will Anderson, Henry Toa Kool-Aid, McKenzie, and those guys, they're going to find a way to go out there and make it old-school Alabama smash-mouth football. And I don't think that Georgia wants to deal with that with an offense that's very, very built on trying to get the, play, trying to get the ball to block balls and hopefully trying to, trying to establish the run. Again, again, such a dynamic in this, this football game. And that's my – my big question has been to Georgia fans. I'd love to hear from you. 912-342-7184. Outside of the beating the same team twice and really wanting to give Alabama some payback, what, what's different about this game going in? What, what's different? What, what's going to work for Georgia this go-round that didn't work last time? And, and again, I'm, I would say that if it was the other way. If, if Georgia won the SEC championship game in the manner Alabama did, and Alabama's coming in. I mean, Alabama, what, what, what are you going to do this time that didn't work in game number one to close that gap? So even if you take away the pick six from Stetson Bennett, you mm-hmm. still lost by a couple scores. Yep. So what's going to work for you this time that y- y- you had some trouble with and didn't work in the first meeting uh, if, you're, if you're Georgia? Obviously, you didn't get to the quarterback. Uh, that, that's one. So Alabama's offensive line banged up. I get it. They were a little bit suspect. When they came to the SEC championship game and they played up and played well, Ben. So what what different is going to happen to turn it in Georgia's favor that did not happen in game number one? They're gonna have to stay consistent because this is, this is one thing. The last I think the last four times, the last well all, the last four times uh, the Georgia and the Alabama have met. Georgia has led led the game most of the time. They they been leading and they and they come up losing. So you're gonna have to find a way to, to make second half adjustments, Kevin. If you are George, you gotta find a way to stay consistent. You gotta you gotta do what you do. The one thing about Alabama is they do what they do. Like Alabama shows you who they are, right? In adverse in adverse situations, people talk about the A and M when they lost, right? Lost by a field goal. People talk about LSU and Auburn and Florida. That's talk. That's called winning for Alabama and losing for those other three teams. But 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 if you are George, uh, Kevin, you're gonna have to say, look, man, can we deal with these boys for four quarters? Go to the national championship game. Georgia was in control of that game. The starter went out. I mean, true. Think about this. People just talk about Tua being a true freshman. You know who else was a true freshman? Najee Harris. You know who else was a true? Devonta Smith. Those who were in the game in crunch time. And guess who was in the game? Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. So all I'm telling you is, if you are Alabama, 
Once again, the, the 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 notion of we never said we can't be beat as Texas A&M, but you're going to have to beat us. Because Auburn can say, man, we had them. What happened? We lost. LSU, man, we had them. We lost. Florida, man, we're not about to win. You lost. Because I'm telling you, Kevin, what makes great teams great teams is they're not going to give you that, that fourth and one. That's the hardest yard to get. I'm not giving it to you. I mean, we just got to make one conversion. Think about this. The play before Tua scored through the touchdown pass, it was a sack. It was a sack. 12-yard loss. Touchdown the next play. And one of the hardest throws they're ready to make in cover two. For those of you who know football, man, to, to get that ball in cover two, that takes confidence. That takes running your route. Anyway, if you are Al- if you are Georgia, you got to say to yourself, this is what I was built for, but I, we got to be in before quarters. Kevin, you know just like I know. Until that clock says triple zero and you have more points than Alabama, you got to do it. This, this man, it, A bunch of teams built to do it, but did you do it? Nah. So I'm just saying I, 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 I see it going different, Kevin, but I just think, People thought Alabama played their best game. I don't believe that. Alabama just probably played Georgia. Because if Alabama played their best, if Georgia played their best, hmm, does that still favor Alabama? So we'll see. But Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, uh, you know, Nola, you know, Nola Smith, uh, you know, uh, Cook, Zamir White, Bowers, Spit, you know, Stetson Bennett, McClendon. It don't mean a thing if you can't beat them <laughs> boys from Tuscaloosa. And, and, that's, and, that, and that's what makes sports, even to me, Kevin, is – Great seasons don't mean you ended the top the top team standing because teams like the Lakers, the Yankees, Alabama, they only they only judging in one thing. Did we win it all? No. So Georgia, great season, but you want you want to know what it's like to you know be the last team standing. You got to beat the premier college, the premier school in college yeah. football that being Alabama. You got to get over that, that that climb that we've talked about a number of times uh, when these two teams have met. We've got a lot to get to. Connor Riley, Dog Nation, going to join us here later this hour. D Orlando Ledbetter, we'll hear from him when we come back. Last week of the regular season for the NFL Falcons, trying to finish up eight and seven and kick the Saints out of the playoffs if they can beat them this weekend. D Orlando will join us next. We'll hear from him on 3 and out. Bama, less than a week to go. National championship game. We talked about it from the Tide perspective earlier in this show. And here to give us the Georgia perspective from a dog nation, Connor Riley joins us here on 3 and out. Connor, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing good. Excited to be covering it on the Georgia football game this coming Monday. Hey, absolutely. And, again, I've asked a lot of folks, uh, outside of, hey, it's just hard to get beat or for a team to beat you twice, what's going to be different Monday night from what happened in Atlanta for the SEC championship game? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that Georgia's going to adjust its game plan defensively. Uh, they played a lot of zone coverage that first time around. Didn't really correctly, aggressively pressure Bryce Young. I, I think Cincinnati has shown this. LSU has shown this. Auburn has shown this. There's a way to play Alabama to try and limit what they can do. You have to, play, you have to trust your defensive backs to play man on the outside. You have to bring six, specifically coming from the outside. And if Georgia's able to get pressure from the outside and its cornerbacks and safeties are able to hold up in man coverage, I think you have to like what Georgia might be able to do defensively in this game. Second time, second half adjustment was something that really hurt Stetson Bennett, not just in the SEC championship game, but when he played Alabama a couple of years ago. How much is that going to be a, you know, a, a focal point for this Georgia offense to make sure that coming out of halftime, you know, he, he, he's able to make those unnecessary adjustments that, that way he's not throwing the ball uh, to this Alabama Crimson Tide team that definitely try to get the ball in the end zone when you do throw it to him? Yeah, I mean, for Stetson Bennett and the Georgia offense in this game, it's simple. And Kirby Smart touched on this yesterday. You can't turn the ball over. You have to execute on third down, and you have to execute in the red zone. Their first four trips 
to the red zone in that December 4th game. They had four trips inside the 20-yard line, and they only got 10 points. Justin Bennett threw a bad interception and then compounded it by throwing a pick six there later in the game. When they get in the red zone, they have to score touchdowns. Uh, five, uh, five trips and 17 points is not going to beat Alabama. You need near 100% red zone efficiency if you're going to win this game if you're Georgia. So it's And really, you can look at that Michigan game in the first half when Georgia got out to that big lead. They were 6-8 of eight on third down. All six conversions were on third and three or less. The two they didn't convert were third and nine. So it's getting in a third manageable and making sure you execute on those downs. It's that simple for this Georgia offense. And how much of beating Alabama could be playing from ahead? I, 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 I know people would say, well, they've had leads against Alabama before and they didn't hold up. But in a game of this magnitude, how important is it just psychologically not to get behind early uh, when all the talk has been getting over the hump, getting over the hump, getting over the hump leading up to these last two, uh, two meetings? I mean, it's easy to say that it's important, but then they were up 10 nothing the last time these two teams played, and that did nothing for this team. I, I think the bigger thing that you have to watch for is, can you play four consecutive good quarters against Alabama? Because that's what it's going to take to beat them. We've seen them do three. We've seen them do two and a half sometimes. If Georgia's able to play four consecutive good quarters against this Alabama team, that's something really difficult to do. Even in the game they lost this year, Texas A&M, I make an argument they didn't play four straight good quarters. They just got a little lucky, which Georgia hasn't really had a whole lot of luck against Alabama in that aspect. So, it, it, you know, playing from ahead, I, sure, you want to do that because that's what every football team wants to do. But I think the more important thing is sustaining success throughout four quarters. It's playing four consecutive good quarters rather than playing two great ones and then letting off the gas a little bit in the second or the third and fourth quarters. I know that uh, I know that uh, you know uh, in uh, George's last game against Michigan, Brock Bowers had you know he had a good game, not a great game. His the supporting cast. You know, you talk about Jermaine Burton, you talk about a guy like Kier Jackson, Darnell Washington had a big touchdown in the opening drive uh, against this Alabama Crimson Tide team in the NCAA championship game. How much is that going to have to be a factor if if they do find a way to take Brock Bowers away and the supporting cast just step up and make plays? That way Brock can kind of go out there and be be a focal point as far as like, you know, on the offense but not have to be the guy. Yeah, and you look at some of the injuries that Alabama has suffered. They were playing this third and fourth starting cornerbacks uh, against Cincinnati there with Josh Job out with a foot injury and Jalen Amore Davis dealing with an ankle injury there, you're going to need your guys on the outside, your, your Jermaine Burton, Kyrus Jackson, a George Pickens catcher too would be nice. Uh, those guys to go out and really play well because I think that's sort of a weakness now with this Alabama team. They're going to do everything they can to take away Brock Bowers, but I think another big guy to look for is James Cook. You know, He had obviously had the big game against Michigan there. I would expect him to, you know, Georgia to try to use him in similar ways, especially as a pass catcher. We've seen him have success there against Alabama before. I think he's a guy where if he's your leading receiver again, that wouldn't be all that shocking at the end of the day, just given all the athletic ability that he has. Obviously, Stetson Bennett is your quarterback. What a heck of a story it would be uh, if he finishes it off with a uh, with a national championship. Uh, you're around this guy. We've followed him from his time uh, right down the way in, in Blackshear at Pierce County. But to have a guy that's, uh, you know, Ben and I talked about this earlier, a just opposite ends of the spectrum quarterback story from a guy who took a walk-on spot, transferred out and came back versus a guy who had a lot of accolades and now a Heisman Trophy winner squaring off. How do you think Stetson handles that moment and, and, and rises to that challenge, I guess? I mean, Stetson will be ready for it. That's, it sort of speaks to the mentality he has. You know, a, a guy with his background isn't supposed to be in the situation in the first place, but the fact that he's already gotten 
Georgia to a national championship game appearance, which I, I feel comfortable saying, given all that he has done for the team and given how well he played against Michigan, why not go out there and win it? He's a guy 27 touchdowns on the season, seven interceptions. Obviously, his interceptions stick out in a loss to Alabama, but he's a guy who he's made plays with his feet. He's outrun a Heisman Trophy finalist in Aiden Hutchinson, and he's a guy who's threw for 330, 340 yards and three touchdowns against Alabama already. Uh, I don't think this moment is going to be too big for him because that's sort of who Stetson Bennett is. He's an incredibly grounded individual who's very honest with himself and his surroundings and understands the game of football and what he can do and how to play within himself. Connor, when I think about a guy like Kirby Smart, right, I think about two decisions that he made that, I mean, never nobody ever thought these two decisions would lead the national championship. Jacob Eason goes down. Come, here comes Jake Fromm. They go to a national championship. His true freshman year, even though he had a great surrounding cast around him. Stetson Bennett, a guy that walked on, grew up a Georgia Bulldog fan, left and came back because it was supposed to be Jamie Newman, JT Daniels, guys not named Stetson Bennett. If Stetson Bennett, and I know it's going to take a, a, a great effort from everybody around him, where, where, where does he live in the pantheon of not just Georgia quarterbacks but Georgia history if a guy who wasn't even on campus, a, 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 a walk-on, ends up winning the national championship, you know, uh, with everything, uh, when you talk about everything that Georgia had to go through this year? I mean, he, in my opinion, he's already a Georgia icon for doing what he's done. And if he goes and he's the one that beats Alabama and wins a national title – you know, I mean, Herschel Walker is probably too unattainable, but he, he's a guy who I think personifies a lot of what this Georgia team is about this Georgia program wants to be. And, and look, you can you can praise the supporting cast, and obviously the defense deserves credit, but he's gone out for the majority of this year with one with one exception. He's played really well for this team. He was incredible. I actually had a better game against Michigan than Bryce Young did against Cincinnati. So. I think if you go out there and he wins a national title and he plays well and he makes some of the plays that we've seen him make all season and more importantly, I think, doesn't have those turnover-worthy plays, you know, his place in history will be tough to decide, but he was absolutely a key factor in this Georgia team getting to where they needed to go and lifting this offense to where it needed to be. Connor Riley joining us here on 3 and Out is Georgia and Bama getting ready for Monday night and uh, – how much do you buy into the hard-to-beat-a-team twice? I know there's historical precedence that says, look, uh, in the times it has happened before, the teams that won in the regular season and or the championship game have not won the rematch. How much of that kind of uh, symmetry do you buy into? And is there something to be said for, uh, you know, to beat Georgia twice is going to be very difficult? I don't buy into a whole lot of that. Uh, these two teams are extremely talented. I think they're the two best teams in the country. Alabama, I think they have the best player in this game in Bryce Young. I think they have the second-best player in this game in Will Anderson. And then from there, I think Georgia has a depth advantage. Uh, if Bryce Young is going to play like he did the first time where he was flawless, did not get sacked, uh, use his speed and elusiveness to really give this Georgia problem, defense problems, it's not going to be surprising to see them win again. Uh, conversely, if Georgia defense comes out and plays fast and plays aggressive like they did against Michigan, it's not going to be surprising to see Georgia win in this instance. Uh, you know, that, that first game obviously carries some weight in terms of illuminating how, how both teams, I think, sort of feel about this matchup. But at the end of the day, it's the, it's the two best teams in the country, and they know they have to go out and play their own games regardless of what that prior game looked like. 
Connor, I know the Braves just won the World Series and, and, and the city of Atlanta was buzzing, but if these George Bulldogs find a way to get and, – and I'm not going to do say do the unthinkable or complete the upset. They won. They was the number one team in the country, only lost to Alabama in the NC Championship game. But if this Georgia team wins the national championship come Monday night, man, what is it going to mean for this Georgia fan base and will the city of Athens – I mean, will anybody be safe in Athens? <laughs> I mean, it's it, it means everything to this program, the people that have followed this this team to this state because arguably they've done the hard part. They, they've shown they're an elite college football team. I, I think Kirby Smart is one of three coaches uh, to reach two title games since the advent of the college football playoff. That would be uh, Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. He, he's built this program into a clear elite program that can sustain year in and year out. He just has to now go out and finish the job. And this is a, a school that has waited 41 years. They hear that 1980 number a lot. And for them to go out and to finish it on Saturday or Friday or Monday, excuse me, with this team, with this defense, do it this way, uh, I think it means everything to the fans and supporters of this program. Hey, no, you said it right. We should be playing this game on a Saturday. It's college football, Connor, right? I mean, and come on, we got Bama, Georgia having to go all the way to Indianapolis. I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah, it, 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 it's corporate greed getting involved. It's <laughs> college football being afraid to go up against the NFL. It's your championship game. It is a sport played on Saturdays. Play this game on a Saturday. Play it in New Orleans. Play it in in Atlanta. Play it in a locale that makes sense. You know, Indianapolis this time of year. It's going to be 25 degrees outside when this game kicks off. It is indoors, but you know, I get shopping it around the city. And Indianapolis is going to be a good host for this event. But college football, with the way it is now, to hold this title game in Indianapolis, you know, on a Monday night, it just sort of runs counter to everything that makes college football great. I mean, Connor, with everything that's happened this uh, this season, I mean, when you think about this Georgia team, number one all year, I mean, Alabama, you know, they lost to Texas and and people thought this was going to be the team to beat if you're ever going to beat Alabama. This this is this is how it was supposed to end up, right? I mean, the student versus the teacher, Kirby versus, you know, uh, you know Nick Saban, Georgia versus Alabama. Alabama knows that in order to – Alabama never said they can't be beat. They said if you want to win the natty, you either got to beat us in the college football playoff or beat us uh, in the national championship. Georgia, unfortunately, get that consolation prize twice this season. Yeah, and it's fitting that Georgia, you know, for them to, to finally win the national championship, they have to go through Alabama, that final video game boss, to get there to do it, to knock them off. And, you know, people say, oh, well, if, if you're ever going to beat an Alabama team, this is the team to beat it. They happen to have the best defensive player in the country in Will Anderson, and they happen to have the best quarterback and overall player in the country in Bryce Young. So it, it's not exactly like this team is a, a total rebuilding job. <laughs> it's certainly not. It's going to be a fun one on Monday. Connor, appreciate the time. Connor Riley, Dog Nation, joining us. Connor, thank, Connor, thanks so much. Yep, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Connor Riley, Dog Nation, joining us here on 3 and Out. We've come back with more all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Uh, there's Georgia less than a week away from the national championship game. We still got more football, though, Ben. Bowl game tonight. LSU with K-State. I'm, I'm intrigued at this one. It's a little bit late, 9 o'clock kickoff. But LSU, we, we talked yesterday, is going to have 39 scholarship guys. Don't know who they're going to play at quarterback. So this could be interesting just from uh, what in the heck's going to happen type standpoint where uh, both quarterbacks who played for LSU have transferred out. So they're no longer there. You've got a number of opt-outs and things of that nature. So who the heck knows what's going to happen. And if, <laughs> if you're Brian Kelly, you go, Guys, I'm here, I'm watching, but whatever, man. It's like, you know that's not your team uh, that you're going to be playing with comes even spring and things like that. It's just going to be interesting to, to watch 
the best of what's left there at LSU. Oh, yeah. Brian Kelly should be there to root his team on. I mean, they talk about a bunch of guys on the 39 scholarship guys going to have a, you know, a walk on that quarterback. But, Kevin, the SEC bias is going to be on – or SEC hate is going to be on full display. Kansas <laughs> Kansas State, if you ever go, if you ever going to have a shot to beat LSU tonight, it's tonight. But I think those LSU uh, Tigers are going to play some inspired, uh, inspired football. And like I said, Kevin, the sideline should be star-studded. And if you ain't on the list, you better be somebody or know somebody who can get you in there. Nope, sorry, not on the list. <laughs> I, you and I, I'm saying, if I ever walk up and I'm on the list, I will be shocked. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, like that's your homie. Yeah, we, we we represent the same smart team. Yeah, we. we <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. If you missed any of the show, ESPNCoastal.com or YouTube page at ESPNCoastal on YouTube. You can catch the show there as well. See you tomorrow, three and out.